It is Aaron and Patricia on the 19th of March of 2023. My name is Aaron. My name is Patricia. And coming up on the show, uh, Illumination is developing a new label for animated films. We're going to talk about that at the top of the show. The Simpsons is going to be bringing back a notorious character after 33 years. The Brain Teachers World Domination is going to be a, a, a latest collaboration with Masterclass. Ruby Gilman Teenage Kraken movie will be released in theaters June 30th. Watching and Dreaming, the final episode of The Owl House will be added to Disney Plus on April 9th. Star Fox, Yoshi Story, and Ice Hockey Anniversaries are coming up this month. We pay tribute to Chef Chen Kenichi, who uh, has uh, passed away this week. We pay tribute to Rolly Crump, who was a former Imagineer over at Disney World and Disneyland, who passed away this coming week. The, the, the Toxic Crusaders are back for an all-new video game. Fifteen years ago today, Horn Hears a Who debuted in theaters. Dill will be making his return on Season 2 of the Rugrats reboot. And finally, we're going to be talking about a film critic who loves a movie based on a video game who had never heard on said video game. You are listening to Aaron and Patricia on the 19th of March of 2023. Um, I mean, no further news yet for the Aaron Meta show. I think I will be saying in due course. However, before we actually begin into the show, there was two little bits of news that actually did come out before uh, we actually, we actually, after we completed the run sheet for this week, and uh, this is that. So the first bit of news that came in was uh, from the uh, Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, where Keenan and Kel were guests, and they have officially announced that Good Burger Two is in production. Yes, they said that they're going to be filming it in June, and hopefully it'll be released on Paramount Plus sometime later in the year. Yeah, I was suspecting it was going to be like straight to streaming. I would suspect, like you know, could you imagine putting Good Burger Two in theaters? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that it'll kind of like be similar to how in Space Jam, people were like saying, oh, you know, when's going to be the next sequel to that movie? And then we had to wait like decades until eventually it was out and then ex exclusively released on HBO Max. Yeah. So I'm guessing like, I mean, I guess if we had to do a little bit of speculation, I'm guessing this is going to take place like, you know, years after the events of the first movie. So I'm guessing, like, you know, Mondo Burger's obviously been, like, smashed to pieces now, and so obviously that's now gone. So I'm guessing now, uh, you know, uh, they're going to be dealing with, like, a whole new problem, or, like, uh, I mean, I don't know, like, you know, have they both moved on from, like, you know, Good Burger, or now, like, you know, or maybe, like, maybe maybe Kel owns Good Burger, I don't know. Like, you know, it's just... Yeah, it's, uh, yeah or maybe they'll... I mean, I doubt that they'll do this, but uh, there was actually a sequel to Good Burger in a book form called Good Burger To Go, which was about that uh, Good Burger had been selling Ed sauce without his license, and the only way for the secret sauce to get approved is through a taste test, but the Ed sauce is empty, and only one person knows how to make more, but Ed is gone. And so it's this whole huge journey to try to find him. Wow. So that sounds yeah. like uh, <laughs> that sounds like a very messy movie. I have to say, if that's uh, if that's going to be the case. But uh, I mean, uh, who knows? Maybe it might end up being that. But I mean, one good, interesting thing that they could potentially do is that uh, I mean, I don't know how many of the cast of you know the original cast of all that are still knocking around. Like you know, they could bring back some of these people to like you know star in the movie. You know, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. They can bring back Josh Server. They can bring back um, uh, Lori Beth Denberg. They can bring back uh, several other people who were doing it, or, or maybe they'll even bring in, you know, the cast of the the new all that that was around, but unfortunately was shut down during the pandemic. Um, I don't know, like, uh, or maybe they might just bring in like people who like. Maybe they might do like what they do with. Um, I watched that movie. Uh, you know, where we we reviewed it on Search of the Crystal Skull. Now it's gone completely out of my head. 
Um, it's, uh, you know, it's a mad, 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 mad world, like, you know, where they're just kind of, like, bring in comedians, just kind of, like, you know, to uh, basically like, be on this road trip to go find Ed. So, uh, mm. yeah, that could be a possibility. Yeah. But I mean, I, I at this point in time, um, we don't know. So whether they're going to be doing it based off of the book or they're going to be doing it based off of something completely different, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. And the second bit of news. Now, here's the thing is, I take this with like a huge grain of salt, like, you know, a huge pinch of grain of salt, or however you want to do it, because quite frankly, or a gallon of salt, however you want to, but, uh, um, apparently over the weekend, there is going, you know, um, the former president of the United States, Donald Trump, we also know him from, like, Home Alone and, uh, you know, The Apprentice and things like that. He has been around, you know, our nostalgia, you know, long before he was president, but apparently now the Stormy Daniels uh, thing is now going to come back to haunt him, and he's basically been saying on social media that he's expecting needs to be arrested on Tuesday. Yeah, is. I heard about that, and you know, I've been seeing a lot of people's opinions on it. So, yeah, I mean, again, take it with a massive grain of salt. I mean, we don't know if I mean if it's it could be house arrest for all we know, or maybe it will just be like something that you know well, it was. How just do we know he's gonna, how do we know he's going to get arrested at all? Like, I, I know some people are going to talk about Weinstein. I know some people are going to talk about Epstein and things like that. But like, you know, it just it's uh, I don't know. Like, you know, it's just um, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to say this to you know to everybody, but powerful people don't go to jail. <laughs> You know, mm. so like it's just it's. Uh, I mean, like if uh, if George W. Bush could like you know conjure up a war out of thin air and not see the inside of a prison cell, like you know, what's likely is that you know the former president Donald Trump's going to see any any jail time. You know, uh, I mean, you're you you're not wrong. Yeah, exactly. So, like, uh, um, I've been saying like on social media pretty much ever since this whole thing broke is that I'll believe it when I see it. As far as I yeah, so uh, we'll see what happens this coming Tuesday. Yeah, so I mean, but uh, if any more, I mean, here's the thing about this: like, if uh, we have to speculate on like this, like, uh, if Donald Trump does end up in court, like, uh, I mean, uh, I'm going to safely say this: this could end up being bigger than O.J. Simpson and Michael Jackson combined. Mm. Don't you think? Like, yeah, I mean, how often do you hear former president gets arrested due to, um, you know, uh, adult star bringing out stories about what, you know, they did together? Well, I'll, I'll go further, but how often do you hear about a, a, pre a former president being arrested, period? Like, uh, uh, never. I, I know about the George W. Bush DOI, but, like, you know, that was, like, before, obviously, you know, he became president. So, obviously, there, there was that. But, uh, I mean, like, uh, you know, in regards to this, like, you know, the O.J. Simpson trial was, like, it, it was a big, you know, trial in regards to, like, you know, uh, people speculating about all sorts of things. And, like, you know, it, it, it inevitably, effectively, it was, like, just, you know, a bunch of people around a sports bar looking at the TV and, you know, saying, oh, he's guilty, he's innocent, things like that. You know, that, that whole debate like this. And, you know, the Michael Jackson trial was somewhat somewhat the same. Like, you know, the, the stakes were a little bit higher because, you know, Michael Jackson was, a, like, a, a worldwide beloved, you know, pop star uh, at that mm -hmm. point. So that, but, you know, this could, like, you know, whatever you may think, whatever happened in those situations, keep this in mind, this isn't the only case that, you know, Donald Trump might be a headache with. Like, this is, uh, the Stormy Daniels things is just one of three. So, like, there's the January 6th stuff, that currently happened, and then there's also like you know the other thing that happened as well, the uh, situation in Georgia, as well with like you know, right. the election. So um, I mean, like this is just one of three you know issues that he's going to have to deal with while running for president. You know, keep this in mind. So um, I mean, who knows where this is going to go with this guy? 
But uh, right now, like I, I think I can safely say that you know the consequences, you know, uh, are from the United States' point of view, I think are going to be higher than OJ, going to be higher than Michael Jackson, because this is a guy who has you know quite a bit of support around him, and you know this could end up being quite serious. I think, regardless of wherever they go. So. Yeah, and I and I hope that this will showcase in the future for people who are not politicians who want to run for president saying, you know, just because you're running for office doesn't mean you can automatically do whatever you want and think you can't get away with well, it. Well, that's wishful thinking, but uh, I mean, like, uh, we'll see. But uh, yeah. th those are two big bits of news that, you know, you think we will be talking about at this point, but uh, we haven't really prepared for them. So, like, uh, maybe next week. I yeah, maybe that. next week, especially since uh, we've been seeing a lot of news that has been popping up, uh, literally as we were just finishing up with this uh, run sheet. So, yeah, we'll be discussing all that stuff next week. Okay. Anyway, our top story. Illumination is developing a new label of animation films under the name Moonlight. Uh, the new label aims to broaden the range of animated films that they make beyond kid-friendly fare. Yes. So this is a report courtesy of Variety. So Mike Moon, huh, get where the name from. Um, so he w was a uh, head of adult animation over at Netflix. He stepped down around July to pursue other opportunities. And then he um, eventually started working under Illumination. And so he came up with the idea of creating a new label called Moonlight, where it would broaden the range of films that Illumination was usually known for, which is like the family-friendly stuff, and he wants to produce animated films that push beyond the family genre. According to what he stated, um, he wants to be able to, um, you know, kind of like bring a new light into Illumination other than just having the reputation of just doing stuff for kids. And Chris Melodondri, the founder of Illumination, says that they are really excited to be working with him and that Mike has an exceptional taste, deep experience, and a strong vision for films that we intend to make together. So they're really looking forward to their work in the future. And it's not to say that Mike Moon has no experience at all. No, he was an animation artist for 15 years working for... Sony, Disney, Cartoon Network. He did films such as Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse, Mitchell's vs. the Machines, and even worked on various shows for Cartoon Network such as Foster's. And he was recently the producer of Intergalactic, which was a uh, music streaming special from Kenya Barris and Kid Cootie that has the very similar animation style to Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse that's going to be coming out pretty soon. And that's leaning more towards uh, adults. So, yeah, this should be really interesting that out of all the animation studios out there, DreamWorks, Pixar, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, technically, DreamWorks does have its own division of doing, like, um, anime, uh, you know, adult stuff as well. They do it for their live action films. But, yeah, like, think about the fact that Illumination, the guys behind Minions, are now doing a different division focusing on doing adult stuff. I think this is great news because, uh, I mean, you know, you and I, I mean, like, uh, we, we love animation, don't we? Like, you know, we've uh, we loved it since, you know, since we were since we were little ones. And, uh, but, I mean, here's the thing, like, uh, we, you know, we've always, you know, in regards to podcast-wise, if you notice, you know, on Old School Lane, we've always done picks, mates, we've always done Dream Machine, and uh, we've always done, like, you know, uh, so we got, um, you know, <laughs> I'm so sorry, I've forgotten our, uh, what's our, uh, Journey to the Blue Sky, there it is. Yeah, so, like, uh, but, as you notice, like, it's either, you know, family-friendly entity entertainment and uh, you know i'm looking forward now to seeing moonlight and saying oh hey here is a production company that we can basically hopefully in the future go through a good couple of movies and uh, it can be different from basically what we have now 
uh, effectively. And uh, let's be honest, like you know, um, you know, a lot of these studios have been trying to push the boundaries and trying to go into more adult content. You know, there's always adult humor, always like left around, but it's always been like, uh, you know, it's not been like upfront. It's been kind of like more, you know, um, you know, su- subtle. If you will, in regards to how they 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 address this stuff, and uh, you know, even even like a lot of people point out, like you know, some of the adult humor that, like you know, are in, uh, in in some of these things. So it's like you can sell. It's like he's been trying to get out for a very long time, and now I think this is the great you know um, announcement that Illumination could do. Like you know, they're going to be you know, r- you know, hopefully the Mario movie is going to really carry them off into the next phase, and uh, you know, put Illumination you know definitely on the map. I mean, obviously there's minions, I get that, but uh, I think like, let's be honest, like you know, it's minions. You know, like uh, there's not really any real kind of thought put into it besides memes so like you know hopefully the Mario movie is going to uh, you know put you know Illumination definitely up there you know to compete with Pixar and compete with you know with uh, DreamWorks you know off into the future but I'm hoping now with this you know announcement of Moonlight that that's really gonna you know give them something really different to do this is gonna be their touchstone hopefully you know yeah so. we were just uh, talking about that before we even recorded that you know around the 80s that was when touchstone decided to come into fruition where this was the movies that disney was producing that they felt that it was too adult for their disney logo and so we had various movies including nightmare before christmas that was originally a touchstone film right before they saw the success and decided eh, let's see if we can just take it back you know we were always a disney movie so yeah uh, we'll just see what happens I- i'm really curious to see what kind of movies that they're going to be able to produce under the moonlight um you know uh, logo and i think that this will probably be like a new star from illumination because i mean well, sure imagine this like a Imagine if, I mean, I'm only just speculating, mean, I mean, this is just a complete pie in the sky, like, you know, us, you know, fan canoning pretty much, like, uh, but imagine if, like, the Mario movie does well, and somehow Illumination convinces Nintendo to stay with them to do something else, and they did, like, Metroid under the Moonlight label. Ooh, that'd be really interesting. That'd be really I would cool. Love to, I would love to see that, because you, you have to understand that if they were doing Metroid in, like, this adult... Uh, taste where they were able to just go above and beyond with the violence and, and, and you know all the the serious moments that happens in Metroid. That would be really, really just exciting for me personally. I, I think that'd be really cool if they managed to do that. Like you know, mm-hmm. like, you know like you know, the the gloves are off now. You know, because <laughs> it's not the Mario gloves are off now. Like <laughs> here is Metroid. <laughs> In yeah. with Moonlight, their adult animation company, and they're gonna like do like a really gritty, really cool Metroid, and base it on Metroid Prime, maybe. I don't know. But Well, uh, I mean, it, it wouldn't be too surprising if they do decide to do Metroid Prime because, you know, here in North America and other, you know, countries other than like Asia and you know, in Japan and China and stuff like that, um, you know, they are huge Metroid fans over there. And for a lot of people, the 3D Metroid games like the Metroid Prime series are their favorites. So I wouldn't be surprised if they decide to, you know, do an adaptation on that first. It's kind of like for Zelda. It's like, what do you do? Do you do it on the original more people would say ocarina of time gets one first well i mean the, the one thing i would say to that is that if you look at the mario movie they somehow managed to like incorporate everything in the mario world have you noticed that with the music have you and also with the visuals as well so i mean like uh, i could probably see moonlight i mean uh, probably doing kind of the same thing with metroid i probably would imagine but they would have to obviously stay with one story somehow 
you know, like, yeah, or create a new story. Yeah, like an origin story. Maybe, but uh, I just think that, uh, you know, if they did take on Metroid and they'd put it under Moonlight, I think they probably would go down, like, okay, here's Samus, and she's got this suit from, you know, and obviously they would go all around with that maybe but yeah, whether the, they would the go down the, deep... yeah whether they would go down the original metroid story or whether they go down the prime story or whether they, maybe they even go with the fusion story i don't know but uh, like well uh, i mean fusion's like way late into the timeline yeah, so exactly. i mean if they do an origin story it'll be like you know taking place in the cosmic year of 2000 where you know samus was like three years old and her parents get killed by ridley and the space pirates she's trained by the Chozo, which are these bird creatures who are very intelligent, and she gets training from them at the age of 14, and then eventually she goes over to the Galactic Federation when she's ready, and then eventually, you know, she takes down, um, you know, Ridley Crate and Mother Brain over at Zebus, her former homes, and then, you know, if we want to go into the Prime series, it takes place immediately after the first uh, game, which is uh, the original Metroid or Metroid Zero Mission, and then we just go from there, so yeah, that should be, like, I, I can, I can see the possibilities of it if it does really well of course yeah so uh mind you uh another exciting thing that they could potentially do um they announced the moonlight brand and guess who walks in the door uh who's that dana terrace yeah that'd be i would love that i mean it wouldn't be too much of a surprise considering that you know with the netflix deal i mean we already talked about mitchell's versus the machines and you know a lot of people like mike rianda and uh, various others had did work on mitchell's versus the machines who worked on gravity falls and uh, dana terrace was one of them so i wouldn't be surprised if hey let, you know this is something that i can do make a movie next after i was done with my series so yeah i would love to see dana terrace uh, tackle this that'd be great yeah i mean i would say dana terrace is you know she could make a pixar film i believe like you know i think she could do wonders with that and uh, but you know if she moves over to moonlight you know obviously that would give them a good shot in the arm i think you know to uh, say yeah we're gonna you know take on you know uh, animation and we're gonna bring a new uh, you know sp you know spin on it for you know let's be, let's be honest like uh, a lot of people now who are going to pixar and dreamworks films it's not just kids it's obviously people who are fans of this now and i guarantee you if uh, they make a big noise with moonlight to say oh hey here's 3d animation but it's for you it's like, and it's exclusively for you. I think that could do good box office, I think. Yeah, and uh, I know this has nothing to do with anything, but I want to bring up a point that um, recently the Oscars happened, and who won Best Animated Film? Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. A crushed Disney, DreamWorks, and, you know, the other foreign film that was nominated, which, um, you, you know, I mean, congratulations to those who were nominated, but the point is, is that... You know, Netflix is a major contender now. And not only that, but, you know, Guillermo del Toro's discussion about animation is cinema and animation is not a is a medium, not a genre, and that it should be respected. I'm sure that, you know, for those who are watching and for those who are impressed that Guillermo del Toro was able to win, you know, um, uh, uh, an animation film spot in Pinocchio, I'm sure that that will probably give a lot of people saying, yeah, we want to treat this more seriously now. Yeah, I'll safely say this, if uh, Moonlight um, put something together that uh, is uh, going to start competing for the Oscars, I think they're going to have to like, start looking at like the animation uh, category and think, yeah, maybe it's time to broaden this out. You know, like mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's time to give this a bit more recognition because you know, uh, you and I have obviously talked about you know how uh, they basically kept the you know Hollywood going during the pandemic and stuff like that when everything else was shut down. So like you know, I think it's just it's. Uh, I really hope that this now will turn around to uh, to Hollywood and say, look, you know, this is a serious thing that you need to take on and you need to start you need to start recognizing it, guys. 
Like, you know, right. like, it's time to shake up the academy. You know? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's time to shake things up and try to show you that it's not just, you know, kitty stuff. I mean, people can be able to watch it regardless of what age they are. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, next story uh, is surprisingly The Simpsons, which, uh, you know, uh, here's the thing about this. I've always, like, said that I've never really sat down and probably watched The Simpsons, and I get that, you know, I have a Disney Plus account now, so I don't really have much of an excuse anymore, but right now I'm making my way through, like, all the other animated shows before this. But uh, this, surprisingly, is pretty big news. So, um, The Simpsons is going to be coming back with another season. You know, that's not pretty much news in itself, but uh, they are going to be bringing back a notorious character who has not been in an episode of The Simpsons for the last 33 years. And it's, yeah. a, it's a Josh Bronkwix, who is, anyone who remembers, he was the bowling instructor for Marge Simpson, who she nearly had an affair with. That's right, yeah. So if you remember from the episode Life on the Fast Lane, she met up with this French bowling instructor played by the comedian Albert Brooks, and, you know, she was like really, you know, intrigued with him because he was able to teach her how to bowl. And then eventually she started falling in love with him. And, you know, they almost had an affair with each other. And now for the first time in over 33 years, like literally, uh, I mean, just as yesterday, um, which was March 18th, that was when their first episode uh, debuted back in 1990. And so kind of funny that the next day after 33 years, he's going going to be coming back and he's voiced by albert brooks again yeah now some people are going to be saying like oh well we've seen you know uh jack was you know from like you know uh he's like in the background character and stuff like that but to be honest with you and you know that's the same thing with like you know laureline lumpkin like you know she's been in the background too in some episodes though she has come back from time to time but you know th this is where albert brooks is actually going to be coming back to vo voice this character so this isn't him making a cameo this is him being in an episode effectively yeah, yeah. So, uh, I guess we can only speculate, I guess, at this point. Like, you know, what's he going to do? Like, what's his thing going to be in this? Yeah, so this is uh, according to a report from The Independent. Here's the synopsis for the episode that's going to be airing as the recording of this tonight. It's called pin gal and it says a mysterious figure from marge's past returns to coach her for a bowling tournament and it just so happens to be jacques himself so yeah uh, al jean posted this on his um twitter account that uh you know th we're going to be having gal coming back in our new episode so stay tuned so yeah that should be really interesting yeah, and of course, Bart is also spraying Grandpa with the you know, bowling shoe spraying directly into his mouth. Yeah, of course he is. Of course you know, he is. Why not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the from what I understand, the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, from what I understand, the episode opens up with uh, Homer buying a bowling ball for Marge's birthday, but it has his name on it. Oh, <laughs> good job, Homer. So. Yeah, so Marge decides that, you know, she's going to take the bowling ball herself and play bowling, and Jacques just so happens to be around. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this, uh, yeah, this should be really interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Okay, so um, I, I was going to say, because, you know, there's it's not just, you know, Jacques that I think some people would actually like to see come back, because if you remember, I think, uh, you know, uh, Danny DeVito also played Homer's brother in the show. You know, uh, That's right, yeah. Exactly, yeah, and he's not been back since. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it would be really nice to. I mean, we've been getting these opportunities to see like these characters that haven't been around for many years. I mean, you remember uh, Mo's girlfriend that was originally, you know, shown in a few episodes that left and then she came back, like, you know, over a decade later. We've even had episodes that 
you know, characters that never really gotten the focus of get episodes on their own, like Carl. Like, you know, there hasn't been an episode of Carl, like, ever until, like, just recently. So, yeah, I mean, I think that the uh, the current run of The Simpsons, uh, we, we talked about this before, that, you know, they've since changed into a new showrunner. And he's been the one who's kind of, like, brought The Simpsons back by doing a lot of callbacks and focusing on characters that haven't been around. And a lot of people saying that the show is funny again. So... Yeah, that just goes to show you that, you know, whoever is behind everything, they can make or break a show that's been around for a very long time. And it seems that The Simpsons seems to be the, the talking point for a lot of people again, other than just, will you just please die? <laughs> okay, so um, I've been onto Reddit, and uh, so there's a user called uh, Skyboth6266, and he's done the top 10 forgotten Simpson characters who need to come back. So um, shall we go through them all and uh, see if uh, any of these could, could, could make as much of an impact as Jock could in uh, this episode? Okay, number 10 in this list is Jessica Lovejoy. Oh, wow. It's, that's been a long time since we've seen her, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, and uh, I have no idea. What, well, I mean, she was uh, she was counted off last time, wasn't she? Because she obviously she stole that money from the, uh, uh, you know, from the... Uh, oh, no, she wasn't. Uh, she was um, she was punished somehow, you know. Yeah, she was punished, yes. Yeah, I don't think she was actually sent away again, unless, I'm, unless, I'm, unless I recall that, you know... She, I don't know what happened to her. I keep forgetting the end of the episode. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, anyway. Um, number nine in this list is Laura Powers. Hmm, that could be really interesting. Yeah, she was, uh, you know, bar somewhat crush, I believe, and then she yeah, ended up with Jimbo I mean, Jones yeah, and I remember Mo- that <laughs> uh, you know he was like really obsessed with her, and you know then after a while, I mean he, you know, she left, and that was pretty much it. So, yeah, I mean it could be a possibility that we could see her again. I mean, <laughs> it's been a while since Bart has gone through something like this, so sure, why not? Yeah, number eight in this list is Ruth Powers. Ooh, uh, Ruth. That yeah. will be <laughs> okay. I, I mean, that has, that's been a name that's been I haven't heard in a while. Yeah, that Velma and Louise episode with Marge Simpson and Ruth. That's <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's a few other ones. Well, she she did. To be fair, she did come back and introduce um you know Marge to uh, you know those pills that made her like you know super muscular and stuff. You remember from that episode? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, okay. Um, number seven in this list is Mindy Simmons. Oh, okay. <laughs> the other character that nearly broke the. Uh, <laughs> The Feather Simpson family apart. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I remember. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, that would be an interesting explanation. <laughs> yeah. Um, number six in this list is Troy McClaw. I mean, he can't really come back because, you know, Phil Hammond's okay. died. So. Yeah, you can't have that, unfortunately. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I know a lot of people really love Troy McClure. I know a lot of people really thought he was funny, but... You have to understand, uh, for those who are, you know, too young to remember, Phil Hartman. So Phil Hartman was an amazing comedian and actor of his time. He was able to play so many amazing characters wherever that he was. I mean, you may know him for, um, you know, Pee-wee's Playhouse, and you may know him for, you know, doing the voices of various characters. But unfortunately, around 1998, his wife shot him while he slept, And then she shot herself. And ever since then, no characters that were voiced by Phil Hartman ever came back in honor of his passing. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's going to be really awkward to have him back if they decide to do so. I don't think they'll bring him back. I don't think so. It'll just bring back everything that happened at that time. 
I think, you know, yeah, and I'm sure that there is a lot of people who are too young to remember. But I mean, but for those who do remember it, you know, you, you just can't. It, it's out of respect. Yeah, it is. Okay. Um, number five in this list is Princess Penelope or Princess Osley. Um, I don't know this character, to be honest with you. Probably a character from a later season. Probably is, yeah. So apologies, everybody. We don't know that person. Um, ooh, number four in this list is Cecil Tewilliga, uh, Sideshow Bob's brother. Oh, yes. I would love to see him back. And not to mention that, you know, he's vo- he's voiced by um, David Hyde Pierce. And you guys know that um, Sideshow Bob is voiced by Kelsey Grammer. And if you remember from uh, Frasier, that they played brothers in the show. So that would be great. I mean, they always bring Sideshow Bob every once in a while. So it would be great to see Cecil again. Mm-hmm. Um, number three in this list is Hank Scorpio. Remember that? Hank Scorpio. Yeah. Remember, it's the James Bond episode where Homer gets I a new job. I remember that. It's just that, wow, that's a name that I haven't heard in a while. I mean, in the canon of the show, he took over the East Coast of America, so, like... Uh... <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, even though that the Simpsons are banned in a lot of the states, I mean, they'll have to find one state that they can be able to go into that they won't have to worry about not being kicked out. Yeah. Number two in this list is someone we've talked about already. It's Herb Powell, who is uh, Homer's half-brother. Yes, uh, for you know the who vo- who's voiced by Danny DeVito, and yes, I would love to see him back. That'd be awesome. Yeah, and the number one character according to this list uh, that people would love to see back is uh, Russ Cargill. Ooh, Russ Cargill, that'd be really interesting. Yeah, like I mean, I've got to be honest with you, I'm not. Wh- wh- who was he he, he again? Uh... Um, I don't think no, he wasn't that guy. He wasn't the one who was the the monorail guy. No, he wasn't uh... the monorail guy. Definitely no. He doesn't look like him. Um, Russ Cargill. Uh, Russ Cargill is the main antagonist of 2007 animated film The Simpsons. Oh, oh yeah, the Simpsons the movie. Simpsons oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Well, that's how forgetful the Simpsons movie was. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but he's played by Albert Brooks as well. So it's like, uh, I think that we can just lay off um, a little bit with that. I mean, especially since it was a movie character, he wasn't in the show. Yeah. You know what? Do you remember? Um, I can't remember what his last name was. Carl, like you know, the uh, the assistant for Homer when he got promoted after his hair grew out. Do you remember? Yes. Yeah, I'd like to see him back. That'd be interesting. Yeah. So, uh, well, well, there's some more ideas uh, if you're a listening Simpsons. You know, like uh, we like <laughs> we see some more of those people back. So, there we go. yeah, yeah. If you're listening to us, Simpsons. Yeah. Okay, this is an interesting story. So, um, we all are fans of Pinky and the Brain, and uh, so um, there is a collaboration there being taken place by Masterclass, and it's, it's titled The Brain Teaches World Domination. <laughs> okay, so is it like Maurice Lamar's teaching it, or is it like literally a cartoon brain who's like saying, I'm going to take over, you know, Masterclass so I can teach you how to take over the world? Okay, so um, I was looking at this at the, on the Animated Fan. So uh, uh, the Brain Teaches World Domination is, uh, is, is an animated spin off uh, series produced by Warner Brothers Animation and Amblin Entertainment for Hulu. Uh, the series is a spin off of Animaniacs, as we all know, and focuses on the characters being key in the brain. The shorts are sent. Short sensors around the brain who uses Masterclass online education platform to make a tutorial series on world domination with Pinky tagging along in his videos. So effectively, it's him doing class, you know, I guess doing like these parody classes on how to take over the world. 
So I want to see that so badly. I had a masterclass account when I was a student at um, my university, and we used it to like watch several videos of like filmmakers and journalists and stuff like that. But you know, uh, but I don't have it anymore because I'm not a student anymore. But I would have loved to have seen that if it came out when I was a student. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, we had Moodle, which was basically just like you know an online resource for like you know uh, you know getting like materials and things like that but it wasn't anything as intense as masterclass i don't think so yeah uh, yeah, yeah definitely not yeah so the miniseries serves as a promotional tie-in with masterclass online educational subscription services itself and was released uh, uh well this month this week uh, uh for hulu uh, under the masterclass section in the animaniacs reboot series the shorts are also available on hulu's official youtube account uh, these videos can be viewed uh, on the episodes uh, articles uh, in the lessons section below so um, so, according to the press release, uh, the fans of the animated series Animaniacs will know that Brain has been set on taking world, world domination since uh, he genetically removed a mouse, was introduced to audiences in the 90s. While the Brain's ambitions are always thwarted by his unwitting friend and fellow uh, genetically improved mouse Pinky, he keeps on trying. Now Hulu is collaborating with online education platform Masterclass to give the Brain his own tutorial series on how to dominate the world. The above trailer dropped uh, on Tuesday, we've seen the above trailer, and a series of short videos uh, with topics such as The Art of uh, Subterfuge and uh, Finding Your Assistant uh, will debut across Hulu's social media channels on Friday the 17th of March. Um, we couldn't think of any more fitting love letter to the Incredible Animaniacs fans than a first-hand tutorial on world domination from the brain, uh, said Scott Donahue, who's Hulu's senior vice president and uh, head of marketing in a statement. Uh, a big thanks to Masterclass for their collaboration uh, to bring the idea to life and allow our favourite uh, Magdalene Maniac to uh, join the ranks of their world-class teachers. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I just didn't. It's a good send off to the brain, isn't it? Like you know, he gets his own masterclass, effectively. Yeah, and especially since Animaniacs is finished, I guess this will be like the last thing that we'll see of the brain in a while. Well, you never know. Like you know, there's always SNL, or like you know, there's always like you know, he comes comes back in cameos in a couple of things. So. I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? But uh, hey, you know, if you want a masterclass on how to take over the world, you know, the brain's got you covered. <laughs> I guess that's true. So yeah, um, we, I, I'm actually curious of watching it now that it's available on Hulu's uh, YouTube channel. So I want to see it for myself. Yeah. Okay. So um, this actually fell out of my radar, uh, everybody. So I've got to apologize about this if we're not be talking about this too much. But uh, so DreamWorks uh, is going to be releasing a new movie on June 30th, and it's a uh, Ruby Gilman Teenage Kraken. So um, yes. it's basically, um, mind you, like just uh, on the first you know, look of this, I mean, like, it is, it does look like your stereotypical teenage, you know, high school movie from the looks of it, so uh, it looks like, you know, we've got, you know, Ruby Gilman, who is obviously this awkward teenager who comes into a school, and then obviously you've got, you know, I don't know what it is, DreamWorks' hatred for mermaids, but, uh, I mean, once again, we get a, a, you know, a mermaid who is, a, a, who is the antagonist of this movie, who obviously is like, you know, the uh, the high school royalty, uh, I guess you could say, of, of the school, and so, you know, she, everyone loves mermaids, but not everyone likes Kraken, and so obviously we're going on that sort of kind of like way of a movie yeah it, it, it kind of reminds me of like you, you you remember in um the bad guys in which you know people hated the bad guys because you know they 
they were notorious as animals who are played as bad guys. And yeah, Krakens are known for destroying ships and for, you know, ruining people's lives by just being the fearful creatures of the sea. And mermaids are really beautiful and they have lovely voices and their appearance is able to bring happiness towards everyone who sees them. So yeah, it's like the, it's kind of like what we saw in the bad guys in which, you know, you have the wolf and you have the snake who are creatures that a lot of people fear of and they assume that they're bad and then you have you this cute little gerbil and everybody thinks that they're good so yeah it kind of reminds me of that in which you have this regular teenager who's a kraken and krakens are notorious for you know being bad and then you have this mermaid who everybody loves and you know it, it kind of like twists it around in which the krakens according to what the movie says it's like no we're not the ones who are destroyers of people in the world we're the ones who protect the ocean and here's this mermaid who just so happens to be pretty pompous and a show-off even though that everybody loves her so yeah, and, and, you know, I really like the disguise that they try to do with Ruby. I mean, she's playing as a human, even though that she has blue skin. It gave me Invader Zim vibes in which, yeah, like Zim is trying to blend in with humanity, but he still has green skin. So, yeah, I think that that is probably like a, a joke with um, everything. And I really do like that. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah. Would, would so it have been have, easy? Um, I don't know. Like, again, like, is this is this once again based on a book? Like, you know, uh, or is it like, is, is this actually... Uh, as far know? as I know, uh, no. Oh, wow, that's a, that's a change. <laughs> yeah, I but. know. Usually Dream Books loves to adapt from books, so I guess they are, you know, doing something a little bit different because I'm trying to find if, they, if it was based off of a book and I can't seem to find it. No, anyway, so um, just to give you the official premise, so 16-year-old uh, Ruby Gil Gilman learns that uh, she is uh, the next uh, legendary line of sea krakens. Uh, despite her lofty destiny, uh, she is desperate to fit in at Oceanside High. Ruby struggles even to fit in more when when her mother forbids her from going going to the beach. Uh, after disobeying her mother's rules, she discovers that she is the descendant of warrior kraken queens that will descend to, to ascend to the throne as the warrior queen of the seven seas. Her grandmother, uh, the kraken, are raised uh, sw sworn to protect the world's ocean from the vain, power-hungry mermaids by battling for eons. Ruby, uh, we need to embrace herself to fight Chelsea, a mermaid turned human who enrolls in Ocean Heights Guide High School. So, yeah, it's, um, I mean, like, uh, I guess, uh, it's, I mean, uh, I'm trying to think, maybe, you know, I'm trying to recall if there's a movie that we've seen that kind of, like, has this kind of happen. I think there definitely is, you know, lots of movies um, where this is. We saw Luca. Yeah, we saw Luca, I guess. And mind you, Luca wasn't about, I mean, Luca was more like, you know, two, you know, mer people kind of like going into the human world. Uh, effectively like uh, this was like it's like Ruby Gilman who's already in the human world and then this mermaid comes along and then a sort of fight breaks out from mm -hmm. what's so I think uh, and then the humans are kind of like, kind of like just bystanders and all of this from the looks of it well who knows yeah yeah so uh, but uh, yeah uh, I mean, um, I mean, obviously it's a dream machine. Sorry, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, you know, it, it, we'll do a dream machine on it eventually. So like, uh, yeah. welcome into our, into that. But uh, yeah, uh, so, but again, like you know, as the bad guys, yeah, like it's like taking you know a, a bunch of people who you would think are bad guys, but in actual fact they actually are good people. <laughs> 
Yeah, so. exactly. So let, let's take a look at the cast. We have um, uh, Lena Condor, who uh, you may know for To All the Boys I Loved Before. She plays as Ruby Gilman. And we have her mother, who's Tony Collette. You may know her for various roles, uh, more recently with Knives Out. Um, her grandmother is played by Jane Fonda. You, I mean, see, need I say no more about Jane Fonda? <laughs> and and then uh, Chelsea, the mermaid, is played by Annie Murphy, who you may know from Schitt's Creek. And of course, uh, you know, and it's not mentioned in the plot synopsis, but also, um, you know, Ruby just so happens to have a huge crush on a skater boy who is played by Jabuki Young White. So, yeah, we, we have a, a stellar cast once again, which by the way, uh, is pretty uh, consistent Lana with a lot of Dreamworks Unless I'm films. mistaken, Lana Condor, I think, will be the first Vietnamese lead, I think, for a Dreamworks movie. That's awesome. That that's really great. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, so like uh, plenty to get excited about about this movie, you know, from the looks of it. So uh, we'll see we'll see where it goes. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but so uh, you know, uh, June 30th and so we'll definitely be seeing it. So. Yeah, and uh, you know, co-directing the movies are uh, Kirk D'Amico, who worked on The Crude, and Farron Pearl, who um, this is the first time they'll be uh, making their directorial debut, and Kirk D'Amico will be co-writing the movie alongside with Pam Brady, who was a screenwriter for South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. And we have composer Stephanie Ikumuo, who did the mu music for Jupiter's Legacy. The editor will be Michelle Mendelhall, who did Fox and Hare. And the producer designer will be Pierre Olivier Vincent, who worked on How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. By the way, and I'm sure people will probably be commenting if I don't mention this to you, but so when are you going to go see Puss in Boots, The Last Wish? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's up on Peacock, so I'll definitely have a chance to watch it sometime this week. You know, funny enough, uh, for everybody also as well, I just saw the advertisements for this, but it is also available on Skybox Office as well. So, uh, you Oh, nice. To... Yeah, so you know what? I mean, if, if that's the case, I mean, we can watch it together. Yeah, cool. All right, then. Um, moving on from that, uh, the Owl House episode, Watching and Dreaming, the final episode of the Owl House, will be dropping on Disney Plus on April 9th. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so it will be coming out the day after it actually becomes out on, at, at 9.25 on the Disney Channel. So That's kind of crazy to think because usually they would wait maybe like a few months until it finally airs or maybe I like a week after. I think they finally learned their lesson. I think, like, uh, you know, just DC. <laughs> yeah, too, a little too late. <laughs> but, well, yeah, but, you know, at the very end of the show, they finally learned the lesson. But, uh, you know, I guess like most other shows, you know, we finally learned the lesson at the very end of the show. But, um, yeah, so, it, I mean, yeah, they should have done this to begin with. You know, like, it should have been like, okay, we've got it on the Disney Channel. Okay, the Disney Channel has now, you know, viewed it. Now it should come out, like, on Disney Plus, like, right afterwards, in my opinion. Like, you know, get people excited for it, you know, continue on, like, you know, the excitement. But, uh, yeah, I guess they waited until, like, the last episode to actually do this. So I'm guessing that this episode is not going to be released on YouTube. I guess. Yeah, I guess not. I, I guess, you know, they learned their lesson from that, too, seeing that, hey, you know, we have, like, what, over one million people who saw it in the first 24 hours, and they're like, you know, <laughs> let's let's just put it up on Disney+, Plus and then have the people watching it there. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, look what they're doing with Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur at the moment. Like, uh, by the way, everybody, uh, well, the reason why we're not doing a spoiler section for the end of this is because um, I've forgotten to watch it. So, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. I, 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 you know, and so, to be so, fair, we have a lot of news to cover this week, so... We'll, we'll talk about it next well, week. Well, we're Don't planning worry. to do somewhere down the line. I'm actually going to sit down and like watch all the episodes of Moon Girl, Devil Dinosaur. So every time we do a spoiler section, you know, we you know we will be prepared for it. So like you know, apologies 
there's no moon girl devil i saw this uh this this week if you're expecting one but uh, anyway right, going, going back to uh, watching and dreaming so um yeah i think um you know um it's just yeah they, they should do this with their shows pretty much every time they if they release it on the disney channel they should just release it straight onto disney plus in my opinion but you know look at moon girl devil dinosaur at the moment it's because they that right now they um are releasing like in blocks so like it's not just being released you know you have to wait week after week after the, you know, onto the disney channel they're releasing it like you know episode one to five and like why not like you know uh, five to like you know ten or something like that like i don't know which ones are currently out at the moment but uh, um you know but um even then like uh, i feel like that that's a bit too much in, in a way like uh, i would rather they did it where like they release like one episode per week you know and like garner up a, like a lot of excitement like you know to log into disney plus like you know when it finally drops you know yeah absolutely oh do live premieres and- you know like they do on youtube <laughs> Yeah, or on YouTube as well. Yeah, like literally on the day that it's going to be premiering on the Disney Channel, it should premiere on YouTube as well. Why not? Uh, well, I mean, the the reason I would say that is because I think obviously they want. I mean, I'm saying that they should do live premieres on Disney Plus. You know, like you know, so they got the subscription money. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. So like, yeah. So like, you know, it's going. To be, oh, hey, is, you know, here's the next episode of the Owl House. It's going to be coming up on nine o'clock on Saturday evening. It's going to drop on the on Disney Plus at that time. So make sure you logged in and you know watching the ta- countdown timer go down. You know, three, two, one, there it is. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that would generate a lot of excitement, I think. So Oh sure. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, in regards to like any more speculation, um, there is worries that uh, leaks are going to be, uh, you know, coming up eventually. And uh, but uh, you know, at, at this stage of the game, and then people actually also watching for a trailer as well. So people are always trying to like lock themselves away, but you know, a couple of weeks before. I've got to be honest with you. I think it's going to be probably like you know the first of April by the time we actually hear, you know, uh, get pe- you know start the promotional stuff for the last episode of the Owl House starts going. I think. So yeah. we're going to get like a week of promotion and then after that the episode drops and then that's it. That's the Owl House. So. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards we're done. That'll be pretty much it because as we got, as we talked about in the last show, um, Dana Terrace had cleaned out her desk at Disney and so she walked out. So yeah, I mean, this will probably be an end for the Owl House. And as we mentioned last week as well, for, you know, according to what the rumors say, this will be the end of story-driven shows for Disney, and they'll be focusing on episodic shows. So Yeah, which yeah, I, I kind of worry about, really. I think because there's a lot of noise right now of, like, you know, now that this era is over, a lot of people are going to be you know, really deciding if they're going to want to keep their Disney Plus subscriptions. So uh, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to have to come up with something. I think, or like, you know, they're going to get another couple of million people, like, you know, leaving Disney Plus. So. Yeah, well, we'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, in the meanwhile, we cannot wait to see what happens within the next few weeks. I mean, a lot of people will be speculating on what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that a lot of people are going to be really scared about what's going to be the outcome of it. But I'm, as you for know, me, well, I'm, I'm done being scared and I'm done crying. Let's just get, you know, I, I truly believe in my heart that, uh, you know, uh, Ada King and Luz are going to save the day effectively they're going to save the boiling aisles and uh, you know they're uh, then after that like you know but mind you even if they do like you know all break apart like that's every show that you and i have ever gone through like whether it's avatar whether it's you know um whether you know regardless of what a show it ends up being like you know the uh, you know the, the villains are defeated the heroes prevail and they all go their separate ways like you know like uh, that that's every story pretty much mm-hmm. so like it's just it's uh, so you know we've been through it before and we'll go through it again in my opinion 
So like, yeah, and and I'm sure this will not be the last time that we go through it. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, there's gonna there's uh, here's the thing. I I really think that Nintendo. Sorry, not Nintendo. I think really think that Disney. <laughs> I don't know why it's not Nintendo. So you know, I mean, Nintendo keeps doing story driven sh- shows as well. But uh, I mean, like uh, um you know um Disney had something going here when they first came with Gravity Falls and when they had Amphibia and when they had the Owl House. I think that was a good thing to have. And like because every time you had like one episode, you're like, and I know you and I have had this debate all of a sudden. But I still believe, you know, in my heart, you know, there's more excitement for for having, you know, people wait for the next episode for the story to continue than just saying, like, you know, oh, coming up in this episode, you know, like, you know, they all stare at a drain, you know, like, or in the, in the next episode, like, you know, they're going to be looking at the roof, you know, like, you know, like, you know, where's the story in that? <laughs> you know, like it's just, it's, uh, um, I, I just think that, you know, they need to, I think story driven shows, I think have been really good for Disney. They've like, this is an era I think that you and I are going to be still going to be talking about for and even other people will be talking about, I think for the decades to come. Yeah. I think so. Uh, I gotta be honest with you. I think there's part of me that believe that Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur and the ghost of Molly McGee and, uh, you know, Hamster and Gretel and uh, some of the other shows are going to get lost in the shuffle. I think, mm. like you know, how many of the other you know after the after Avatar ended, like you know, how many of the other besides you know probably Danny Phantom and probably like some of the other shows, how many other Nickelodeon shows did we really talk about besides SpongeBob? I mean, that's that's hard to say. I mean, pretty much nothing until Legend of Korra came out. Exactly. And then you know, and and then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out, and it was able to do a different spin on turtles that we've never seen before. Yeah. And I mean, sure, there was, um, you know, there was also love for shows such as Harvey Beaks and It's Pony and Middlemost Post, but unfortunately, it got very low views because nobody saw it. Well, why though? You, you, the 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 answer's there. Like, you know, they're uh, they're story-driven shows. I mean, here's the thing: like, you know, they could do like a re-release of, of Gravity Falls. I think of Amphibia, and I guarantee you that would, you know, get that would get some eyeballs back at, D- at Disney Animation. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I really do think they made a big mistake. I think by not continuing on with this, I think. Like, yeah, know, but just... again, th- this is a rumor, so let's just take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. So, uh, well, let, let, let's see where it goes. I mean, if, if Disney starts to suffer of this, hopefully they'll hopefully they'll be you know intelligent enough to pay attention. But uh, yeah. yeah, we'll see. In the meanwhile, let's just wait until April 9th. Yeah. Uh, let me safely say this. Safely say this, Disney. You know, Toy Story Five and Inside Out Two are, are not are just gimmicks to you know uh, in my opinion like don't get me wrong i like the idea of inside out too i think it, yeah there definitely should be a sequel to that movie but uh, toy story 5 come on you know <laughs> i was hoping that lightyear would have been the shake-up for them to say yeah let's let's take let's take a break from toy story for a while but i guess that wasn't the case well i mean to be fair to that like that's a spin-off not an actual toy story movie i think if i think yeah, toy story still, i think I mean, toy was, story 5 fails something that we were already familiar yeah but with. I, I think i think if toy story 5 fails i think then that'll be that would be the red light i think for them to say look stop doing this yeah so much for focusing on just original stories huh pixar yeah uh well i mean here's the thing maybe domi she didn't get a choice in the matter maybe when bob Iger walked in that's you know she was told to do that like you know you don't know so i don't i guess you're right we don't know yeah anyway uh Moving on, uh, so uh, we are celebrating uh, some Nintendo anniversaries. That's the reason why I mentioned Nintendo before. We're celebrating some anniversaries. So first one is Star Fox. Uh, so they oh, got yeah. their anniversary this month. By the way, Star Fox is a brilliant uh, game. If you've not played it, you need to play it. Like you know, you are just you know cruising through space, and uh, you know Fox McCloud, but you know uh, Peppy Hare and Slippy Toad, and uh, you know Falco Lombardi. You know, they're they're my they're my boys. 
you know, like, you know, I, I, I love those characters so much. And uh, so, um, you know, uh, just the idea of, like, you know, just, also it was one of the very first games to use the Super FX chip. Uh, and uh, yes. gave, gave that, you know, that free, that 3D look that we all know Star Fox for, pretty much. And uh, Yeah, and not to mention that, you know, it was an aerial game that had a lot of um, worlds to explore, depending on how well you did the scores. And you got to fight off against Andros, who was just like this giant monkey with giant hands. And um, then you got to, like, explore some little secrets if you were able to blow off a few asteroids at the right place at the right time. So, yeah, there was just a lot of uh, cool things about Star Fox. Mm -hmm. And uh, by the way, uh, it's actually, you know, um, a lot of Japanese culture is also influenced by, it's also got some influ influence in Star Fox, too. So, That's uh, right, yeah. So um, if you're interested in that, you know, go watch uh, Gaijin Goomba's videos and he'll give you more in-depth with it than we could. Oh, definitely. Oh, it was the development and release, you know, of, of Star Fox. You know, read, read about that and how it was all put together. Oh, yeah, yeah. That too, yeah. Yeah. And so also uh, Yoshi's Story also uh, has celebrates anniversary this this uh, this week. And, uh, you know, uh, Yoshi's Story is actually a bit of a, I think it was a bit of an unknown uh, Nintendo 64 game. I think, and uh, I don't know if it's just the fact that basically it came in too late, maybe, and like you know, everyone was talking about the GameCube at that point. But uh, like uh, you know, it was. Well, I mean, and I think another reason why is because I mean, one of the best things about Yoshi's Story was that it introduced the 2.5D, um, you know, um, gameplay where the graphics are 3D, but it plays off like a 2D game. It nothing like that had ever been done before. However, I've heard a lot of criticism from a lot of people saying that it was too easy and it was just like a simple game at a time in which when I mean, it came out in 2000, right? So. You know, it came out around like the later. Oh, I do apologize. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about another Yoshi game for some reason. Yeah, this was the Yoshi game that came out in 1997. So this came out like you know just after the game, after the Nintendo 64 released. So, okay, okay. So I got the I got the date wrong. So yeah. 1997. I was so... thinking about the wrong game. So <laughs> sorry. <everybody. laughs> I guess you. It, it's not Yoshi's Island. It's Yoshi's Story. Uh, Yoshi's so, Island yeah, was uh, uh, Super Nintendo. Not. Yeah. You know. Exactly. But yeah, uh, Yoshi's Story, I remember, uh, you know, going into the critiques of that. I mean, like, it wasn't like a Super Mario 64 in which it was like 3D and you got to like roam around and you got to like um, explore everything. No, Yoshi's Story was just like very straightforward, just like, uh, you know, Super Mario World. And you got to collect the, the 30 um, pieces of fruit. And if you were able to find all the melons and that was pretty much it. And each world you got to explore and you got to find all the fruit and then eventually you fight off basically baby bowser so you can get the super happy tree so that the yoshis can be able to remain happy forever that's um pretty dark when you think about that <laughs> but uh, um anyway it was a very yeah. cute game uh, yeah it was very cute it was cute and adorable and it had like really lively music from the um you know the the wonderful uh, composer um uh, Kazumi Sotaka. So uh, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, the, everything about Yoshi's Story was like, you know, gameplay-wise, I mean, you know, having 2.5D was never done before, and, you know, a lot of other games would continue off with this since then. But, um, yeah, I think that for a lot of people, when it comes to Yoshi's Story, I think they just feel that Yoshi's Island was the better game. I, I think so, too. Like, uh, you, you know, uh, Super Mario, it was Super Mario World 2, effectively, but I mentioned it was a prequel, and 
Islander. I think, but I think Yoshi's Island. I think you know gave you a, a lot more to be desired. I think you know compared to Yoshi's Story, in my opinion. But uh, I mean, Yoshi's yeah. Story has a story to tell in itself. So as we discussed mm-hmm. before, so yeah, happy anniversary to to that. And then finally is uh, Ice Hockey, which uh, I mean, it's not the most well known, you know, uh, sports titles. I mean, obviously there's like other sports titles that Nintendo have released, you know, over the years. But uh, you know, hockey was obviously you know uh, one of those, and uh, it celebrates its uh, uh, anniversary this month and is also available on the virtual console so yeah so ice hockey i am familiar with is an nes game and a lot of people really do like that game because it really just uh gave you the opportunity to kind of like play hockey in a way that had not been done at that point i mean the only thing we had to come across was like the atari and you know the magnavox odyssey where it's just basically a bunch of like dots trying to be like a hockey game yeah well that was that was was all sports games wasn't it like you know it was just it it was everything was kind of based and it wasn't until like you know it wasn't until Nintendo and Sega took a look at sports games and say oh hey you can play it this way you know exactly so uh, yeah and gave you that gave you that more more polish so yeah so I, I think it was able to elevate it at a point in which not a lot of people were able to see it before and it was done by Konami and it's actually kind of funny because I remember seeing um Brenda Floss and Brent uh, from PBC Productions playing this game. And one of the things that they did was, um, you know, if you were able to do a certain amount of things correctly while you were playing the game, there was actually a commercial that came out. And, you know, it was kind of like a little advertisement for like player Konami games. Here's Gradius and here's all these games that we're doing. So, yeah, it was kind of like um, it's kind of like the equivalent of like seeing ads on your phone whenever that you're playing a mobile game. So I thought it was actually pretty funny. But no, I mean, um, yeah, ice hockey is still a beloved game for a lot of people who grew up with the NES, especially for those who love sports games, for those who grew up with like Tecmo Super Bowl or baseball or anything like that. So, yeah, it was it was definitely like right up there yeah so happy anniversaries to those games and they also are available on nintendo switch so yeah yeah go de- definitely go check them out and uh you know it's kind of funny because the anniversary of um of star fox as we uh were just mentioning earlier um i heard the the recent news from frederick fox the creator of a fox in space he's hoping to have episode two out by the time that the anniversary hits that's awesome so mm-hmm. okay all right, everybody, uh, we want to pay tribute to two people uh, who sadly passed away this week. Uh, Patricia, do you want to start with the first one? And, yes, um, so we have uh, Chef Chen Kenichi. Now, for anybody who grew up with the original Iron Chef, now I'm not talking about Iron Chef America that aired in the 2000s. I'm talking about Iron Chef Japan that aired in the 90s. So um, for those who don't know, Iron Chef is a uh, cooking show slash game show where you have three of the best chefs in Japan, at least according to what the game show says. So you have China, Japan, and French cuisine. So you have uh, Chef Chen Kenichi who did the Chinese cooking, and you have, um, you know, they always changed up the Japanese chefs because, you know, there would always be like a you know, a, a different change. One of them retired and the other one, it didn't work out well. And then the last one, they were able to stick with him until the series ended. And then the French chef, which was Hiroyuki Sakai. So 
uh, Ch- Chan Kenichi was the one who played the most out of everybody in the sh- in the show. So, um, you know, chefs who were really talented in their own right, whether they had a gimmick like, uh, you know, one did really well with vegetables, one did really well with seafood, one was really well with, um, you know, uh, various cooking techniques. They would come in and then would challenge one of these chefs and they would always have like a secret ingredient that they would have to prepare within less than an hour. And so Chef Kenichi did the Chinese cooking and uh, he was known as the Szechuan sage. His father was Chen Kenmin, who was able to bring Szechuan cooking over to Japan. And he was able to build a reputation on that. And, you know, he had a, a great winning streak, even though that I think that his percentage was, uh, I think his was the uh, was one of the best, if not the best in the entire series, where he was able to win over 70 times. He tied several times and he only lost like three times and uh one of the things that was always funny if you ever watched the show is that chef chen kenichi was always paired up with a woman chef and the very few times in which women's chef would appear he would always be paired you know they always ask for him to compete against and it was always funny because two out of the three times he lost <laughs> anyway so yeah, he was a fantastic chef. He was able to use a lot of his Szechuan techniques to pretty much beat almost every chef that ever appeared in the show. And, you know, he was a major force to be reckoned with. So, uh, you know, here's the thing that um, uh, recently um, they mentioned in his uh, restaurant's uh, website that, you know, he passed away. And it's really sad, really, because when you consider that, I think he was the youngest out of the chefs who were in the in the, in the competition. I think he was um, a few years younger than Hiroyuki Sakai, but he was like at least maybe 20 years younger than the first Iron Chef Japan, who's still alive, by the way, and he's still cooking in his restaurant. So, yeah, hearing this news is just a tragedy, to be quite honest. Yeah. Uh, interesting, uh, you know, a uh, little bit of tidbit is that uh, he actually went to uh, Tamagawa University, and uh, that is the same place that uh, Fumi Hareno came from, who is a Japanese voice actress. That's right, yeah. So, yeah, yeah it, it's a real shame that, you know, he was able to um, not, you know, live long enough to see the 30th anniversary of the original Iron Chef, which... You know, I mean, in Japan, I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. uh, I'm talking about, yeah, in, in Japan. So, yeah, the original Iron Chef aired, if you can believe it, on, um, what was it? I think it was October of 1993. So if he would have, you know, lived for, for a few more months, he would have seen, like, the, the 30th anniversary. And, yeah, it's very sad. Yeah, and, uh, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a tragedy, yeah. to be quite honest. But, you know, uh, our condolences to his, uh, his friends and family and his fans. And, absolutely uh, yeah. yes and, yeah so and and yeah like go watch an episode of iron chef it's it's free on the roku channel and on youtube so you know please check it out yeah um also uh, another person who has sadly passed away this week and that is uh, rolly crump who is a legendary uh imagineer who uh who was instrumental in the design of the classic disneyland and also the walt disney world attractions he sadly passed away in uh, california uh and he was 93 years old uh, yeah 
I, I mean, you may know Rolly Crump's work. I mean, especially if you remember the the Tiki Room. I mean, he was the one who designed all of that. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it was, um, you know, I actually really enjoyed it when me being in the Tiki Room at that point. And uh, so it was, uh, yeah, it was it was something else to behold. And if you've not actually been to, if you've been to Walt Disney World, but you've never seen the Tiki Room, I suggest we, you know, you and I suggest that you know we we people go see it. So uh, I mean, <laughs> at this point in time, if you've been to Disney World and you have not been to the Tiki Room, what have you been doing? Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, so like, <laughs> anyway, yeah. so you know, other things that he was known for was the haunted mansion and he had uh, designed a lot of the um the shops he did adventureland bazaar and not to mention that uh you know he also designed the it's a small world and the tower of four winds marquee and you know another thing that he worked on was um he de designed not only for disney world but also for knott's berry farm uh, which is the uh, the theme park based off of the knots, um, you know, jams and jellies, and uh, other things that he worked on was um, he was also an in betweener for Disney. I mean, he worked on Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp, Hundred and One Dalmatians. He worked on Disney movies right before he moved on to being an Imagineer, and he would become an executive designer for uh, the Imagineering, uh, you know, uh, division and worked on the Epcot Center until 1992 when he retired. Now, if you're interested in learning more about him, he actually written an autobiography in 2012 called It's Kind of a Cute Story. So, yeah, and also, you know, this will probably be relevant, uh, you know, hopefully in the future, but uh, we'll also be talking about the Imagineering story sometime in the future on Casual Chats. Yeah, eventually we will cover it. So, like, uh, I'm, I'm, sure that, I'm sure that conversation is going to come up at some point. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if, uh, I wonder if Raleigh was also another person who has to be corrected to say, say stop calling me Mr. Disney. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, <laughs> uh, like, so, uh, but, you know, our condolences once again to uh, Raleigh Crump's, uh, you know, uh, family, friends and fans. And, uh, you know, uh, another Disney legend who's sadly been taken away from us this year. And, yeah. Uh, it's not been I mean, a good year for deaths, has it? And now, now Rolly. Yeah. It's not been a good year for deaths, has it? If, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's been pretty tough, I'll say. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay, everybody, we're back. Um, apologies. Uh, it's Mother's Day here in the UK, so um, I wanted to go say Happy Mother's Day to my mother. Uh, we're halfway through the show, so uh, that's what we did. <laughs> yeah, so Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Yeah, anyway. Picking up from where we left off, uh, babe, you know, in Old School Lane or the Aaron Meta Show or Aaron and Patricia, when have you, actually, you and I actually have sat down and talked about the Toxic Crusaders? Never, but if Kevin, the co-founder of Old School Lang, was here, then at some point we would have talked about it because uh, Kevin is actually a huge fan of Troma's films. He's a huge fan of the Toxic Avengers and all of the sequels and all the other films that has been out. Um, in fact, uh, 10 years ago, I met up with Lloyd Kaufman at a convention. I think it was Florida Supercon. And he told me uh, the next time I'm around New York, then I should come visit Troma Entertainment in New York. And so I wasn't able to go at the time, but I did tell Kevin, you know, can you go in my place? And he was just absolutely thrilled meeting up with Lloyd Kaufman and meeting up with um, uh, Michael Kaufman and meeting up with um, all the people who worked at Troma and getting to see, you know, basically the studios that invented, you know, Toxie and the Toxic Crusaders and the Toxic Avengers and all the other, um, you know, <laughs> movies that he's pretty well known for. So yeah, Toxic Crusaders, uh, what an interesting move, uh, you know, series based off of, an, for the most part, an 
R-rated movie that is pretty much just violent and filled with nudity and stuff like that. I mean, you would never expect this to be a children's cartoon well, around I mean, Saturday morning. You could say that about Rambo and RoboCop and the Terminator. Like, you know, they you know, kids' products came out of those R-rated movies. Pretty much. So, yeah, like, that's you know, they- true. But here's the thing: I can understand in a, you know, in a basically in a business corporation standpoint, it's like, hey, you know, you, you know, kids love action movies and kids love being the hero, as opposed to like, hey, kids love being a nerdy janitor who turned into a monster with toxic sludge and goes around and kills people, but at the same time is very helpful. Let's see if we can transform him into a superhero who cleans up crime. <laughs> I mean, like, like you know, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a bit of a hard sell. I mean, before, especially since this was an independent movie. Well, keep in mind, like, you know, before he before he was Freakazoid, he was Dexter Douglas. So, like, you know, uh, I mean, we have had nerds who have then turned into like you know superheroes in the past. I mean, I wouldn't yeah, say that's that, true. I mean, with the with the exception of Freakazoid, I wouldn't say that that concept. I mean, I do recall like uh, I remember Creepy Crawlers being, I think, an, I think another one, and uh, then like there's, yeah. there's some other like you know where you know you start off with a nerd, then all of a sudden superheroes appear. Like you know th- th- that type of thing has been. You know, also there was uh, Banana Man as well. Like you know, there was yes, uh, Banana Man. Uh, yeah, exactly. So like the the concept isn't like old, but I wouldn't say it's been as successful. I guess you know, I guess maybe Freakazoid probably was the most successful, but after before you know, sorry, after the Toxic Crusaders, I guess you know, in regards to that. Yeah, well, yeah, Toxic Crusaders know. came out a few years before Freakazoid. Exactly. Yeah. But, about- yeah. Exactly. So I'm saying that Freakazoid was like the, the the next big thing after Toxic Crusaders, pretty much in that in that concept. If you yeah, so. it's actually funny because, you know, even though that the Toxic Avengers has had multiple sequels, Toxic Crusaders has only had like 13 episodes with one season. You can watch every single episode for free on YouTube on the Trauma Entertainment YouTube channel. I mean, it was kind of like a very obscure thing. I mean, out of all the animated series based off of like R-rated cartoons or PG-13 cartoons, you would think Rambo, you would think Terminator, you would think Beetlejuice would probably be a bigger one. But yeah, like Toxic Crusaders was definitely very niche. Yeah, but anyway, um, we've got a funny enough, like you know, probably you know, going against the grain, I guess, of like you know, two thousands properties being brought back to life. You know, now here we are with Toxic Event with the Toxic Crusaders, and they're getting a video game of all things. Yes, they're getting a video game courtesy of Retroware, the same company who did the Angry Video Game Nerd game, and it looks very similar to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, Shredder's Revenge, the beat 'em up game that we talked about a few months ago and Aaron and Patricia and yeah it's basically a beat-em-up you get to be able to control Toxie and all of his friends and you get to fight the bad guys there's voice acting in there there's music and yeah I mean this is a surprise I never would have expected this to happen at all yeah according to joeblow.com so back in 1991 Troma's Toxic Adventures Paradise was full of nudity and vul- vulgarity and so with bodily fluids uh, it basically uh, got a kids unexpectedly got a kids-friendly spin-off in the Toxic Crusaders but 30 years yes. Later, the Toxic Crusaders are back in a beat-em-up game, video game with, on, from Retrowave uh, that is described as a quote-unquote radical re- radioactive romp for the new era, featuring awesome action, crushing combos, and more toxic waste than you'll ever know what to do with. So you can check the video game's uh, official website here. Uh, by the way, we'll, we'll put the link up in the description when we get the chance. And also, the wish it's also a wish on the wish list over at Steam as well. So, like, uh, you know, they're they're trying to get this going, pretty much. 
So. Yes, yes. And yeah, I mean, here's the thing that um, is pretty interesting is that, you know, um, I, you know, a lot of the people who are coming back to voice as these characters are the, you know, the, the, are the, the character, you know, the, the actors behind Team Four Star. So you have Lanny Pator, you have Kaiser Neko, Takahata 101, Little Karibo. They're going to be the ones to, you know, voice as these characters. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, like, who was the original voice cast for the Toxic Crusaders? Like, you know, were they, well, you, oh, you're talking about Toxic Crusaders. You're not talking about Toxic Avengers because that's something completely different. Oh, yeah. No. Well, uh, I mean, like, the Toxic Crusaders, like, the, the cartoon show, like, uh, I mean, oh, what? the cartoon show. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, so I guess I mean because Toxie was was uh, voiced by uh, you know Roger Bumpass. Uh, yeah, we vo the voice of Squidward. Yeah, from yeah. SpongeBob. Yeah, would you believe? And uh, you know, No Zone was uh, was uh, done by Paul Eating. Um, uh, Paul Eiding, yeah. Eiding, so yeah. that's that's Colonel that's Colonel Roy Campbell from the Metal Gear Solid right. series, and or Ed, you may know him as Grandpa Max from Ben Ten. So yeah, you yeah. may know him for those things. And Ed Gilbert was the uh, voice for voice for Major Disaster. Yeah, Ed Gilbert. Unfortunately, he passed away in 1999. But you may know him for uh, various TV shows such as uh, Mannix or The Rogues. But he also was General Hawk in GI Joe, and he was, uh, you know, the voice of the Mandarin in Iron Man Adventures. And he also uh, voiced various characters in Spider Man, Batman, and Superman. Yeah, and also uh, Doctor Bender and Fender, also known as Headbanger, uh, together they were voiced by uh, uh, Ray Hale and uh, John Mariano. Yeah, uh, so right. Hal Rail, you may know him as uh, Commander Steel and SWAT Cats. You may know him as Pipe Snarl and Shrapnel from Transformers. Uh, you may know him as um, Deep Six in uh, the G.I. Joe series. So, yeah, he's been in a lot of things. And as for um, John Mariano, uh, you may know him for various things. I mean, he has been uh, Mondo Gecko in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He did uh, Bobby in Animaniacs. He was... Um, he was Vic, Maury, Ray, and Zamboni Jones in Hey Arnold. So, yeah, he's done a lot of things. Yeah. And also, Junkyard was voiced by uh, Greg Berger, who uh, also was Odie in uh, Garfield and Friends. Yeah, he was Odie in Garfield and Friends. He was uh, Bill Licking from Angry Beavers, Agent K in Men in Black, uh, Corn Fed from Duckman. So, yeah, just a lot of things. So, yeah. Yeah. And also, interesting, he was Grimlock in Transformers as well. So, yeah, like, yeah, Grimlock in Transformers, yes. Yeah, like, you know, he's hidden away in your childhood, people. Like, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. There's also the villains as well. Like, so, I mean, uh, Zark's Oscar was uh, voiced by Patrick Zimmerman, uh, which uh, was pretty cool. Yeah, Patrick Zimmerman, you know, probably know him as Augie Doggy and D Dixie and Fender Pender 500 and Yo Yogi. Uh, you may know him as Charlie and the Pound Puppies. You may know him as um, Tyke and Tom and Jerry Kids. He was Ocelot in the Metal Gear series. So, yeah, he's been in a lot of things. Yeah, Michael J. Pollard was Psycho. Uh, he's one of those yeah, Psycho. Uh, unfortunately, you know, he's since passed away in 2019. But uh, yeah, he was known for just as much for live action as he was for animated. I mean, he did the Angry Andy Griffith show. He did Bonnie and Clyde. He did the Lucy show. But if you're talking about like uh, voiceover roles, I mean, there have been a few that he was a part of, but he was mostly a live action actor. Yeah. And uh, Yvonne, who was uh, Toxie's uh, boxing blonde girlfriend, uh, is actually voiced by Kathy Susie, who you may know as Lola Bullin. Bunny from the Looney Tunes franchise. <laughs> yeah, Phil and Lil from Rugrats and Blake Griffin from As Told by Ginger. Yeah, really prolific voice actors. And Dexter's mom as well. And Dexter's mom. Uh, yeah, and uh, I'm sure a lot, of, a lot of people who, you know, from that side of the internet also remember Dexter's mom. <laughs> so, oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah, we know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, the Dogs of the Avengers, surprisingly, even though it went for one season, it's had some notable voice act acting in it. 
Like, yeah, yeah, it did. And, and and not to mention that even though it only lasted for 13 episodes, it, it still had a major strong cult following. You know, it was uh, it was a Canadian show on YTV. And then eventually it, um, you know, spun into G4, if you remember back in the day when they used to like air reruns on various shows. And yeah, I think that uh, for a lot of people, they were just like really shocked when they heard the news that, hey, we're going to be having um, a video game based off of it. And it's a beat em up video game akin to what happened with TMNT just a few months ago. I think it's the right thing to do, I think. And uh, I'm just really surprised to see it because, like, you know, we really thought that we were, like, moving away from the 90s now. And, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, we're going to talk about later in the show about, the, you know, the second season of the Rugrats. But, uh, I mean, like, uh, I really thought, uh, you know, when the Toxic Crusaders came out, out of the, this is out of the blue. <laughs> it really is. It is. It literally is out of the blue. I mean, you would expect, like, if something is back from the 90s, it would be, like, obviously the more popular stuff, like Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain and stuff like that which makes sense rugrats makes a lot of sense but yeah toxic crusaders once again it is a niche animated series based off of a niche movie series from an independent movie studio in new york city so yeah this is like we're, we're going like really cut of the mill here yeah but you know i gotta be you know you i've spoken about this in the past but you know i missed that I really do. Like, you know, the independent animation studio that would, like, you know, uh, sell off their cartoons over to, like, you know, networks and everything like that. Like, you know, now now everything's made in-house, pretty much. Like, you know, Nickelodeon make their own stuff. You know, Cartoon Network make their own stuff. Um, you know, um, various other things. Like, it's, um, it was pretty good back in the day when you had, like, those independent cartoons, pretty much. And, uh, you know, sadly, unless you go online for them, like, you know, Hell, Hell of a Boss and Has Been Hotel, you really don't have that anymore. Really? No, you you really don't. It's, it's just too much of a risk, you know, having to um, pay another company to do your show that you can be able to air on your network. Why do why do you need to do that when you could just do everything in-house? Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, the other thing about the... In I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, some of the in-house has been great. Like, you know, like, you and I kind of, you know, can't argue that some of the Disney animated TV shows haven't been brilliant, you know, over the mm -hmm. years. Like, you know, whether it's the Gummy Bears, whether it's in Gargoyles, whether it's been, you know, uh, you know Gravity Falls, Amphibia, The Owl House, you know, the list goes goes on and on like you know they've been phenomenal right. shows so i mean there's obviously the, i think the, the i think the problem with that is is that now like you know the anim the independent animated tv sh studio unfortunately is dead you know, and uh, long live Disney, you know, Disney animated TV, <laughs> TV and Nickelodeon and uh, the various ones. But, uh, I mean, unfortunately, you know, uh, that's, I mean, no, only just now Netflix has started to kind of do stuff like this. Pretty much, exactly. You know? yeah. yeah. I mean, there's there's been a lot more in terms of competition with streaming services. We have stuff on Netflix. We have stuff on Hulu. We have stuff on Disney Plus, Apple TV, um, Amazon Prime. So, yeah. In fact, I would recommend that you check out um, James Rolfe's video about the death of Saturday morning cartoons where he talked about that. You know, a lot of this stuff is, you know, pretty much uh, to the point in which people just watch it on streaming and they're not going to be able to talk about it as much as if you were to watch it on like one channel Saturday morning. So it's kind of interesting about how today's kids are able to like watch a bunch of stuff. But at the same time, it's like it's not something that you can be able to go in depth with, you know? Yeah, exactly. Do you remember when someone did a video and like it was uh, it was Gex and like it was like it's like, it was, like, a, it was, like a, a Saturday morning cartoon? <laughs> Show. Yes, I remember. Oh, yeah. that was so much fun. And like, it kind of made me think, oh, good grief. Like, you know, um, I guarantee you an independent animation company would love to do something like that. Um, but unfortunately, that doesn't exist anymore. 
you know? Yeah, it's, just... it's kind of risky of trying to do that. I mean, there have been some exceptions. I mean, Cuphead, I mean, imagine, uh, you know, the huge hit that Cuphead was, where it was just an independent game done by a handful of people in Canada. And then all of a sudden, you know, it became like a million seller hit. And then it had an animated series on Netflix. So, yeah, I mean, that's one of the exceptions than the rule. Yeah, exactly. But now, like, but then, you know, Cuphead is still based off, like, a video game. And unfortunately, I think, you know, that's where. We, I mean, original content, you know, uh, from uh, you know, other sources, unfortunately, might be pretty, you know, might be pretty lacking at this point because, like, you know, you could probably imagine that a lot of I mean, a lot of the stuff that we talk about, like, it always has its origin, like either in a book or in a video game or like, you know, in something else, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, Toxic Crusaders obviously was based off, you know, the Toxic Avenger. I mean, obviously, I'm not, I'm not mm -hmm. uh, saying that it is bad, but uh, you know, I could probably imagine if it did come from like an independent source, I guarantee you, it would either be a toy company or it'd be like a video game company. It would be something else. You know, like yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Or you can be like what Vivian Madrano was able to do with Hell of a Boss, in which, you know, she was able to sell that over to A24, and now they're going to make a, a series on it. Yeah, that's brilliant. So, but you know, see, yeah, I mean, that, that's like that's an exception rather than the rule, unfortunately. You know, like it's just, mm -hmm. I really wish it was the rule. Like, you know, here's all these independent animators. They put something really cool together, and they sell it to something, and they make a lot of money. You know, yeah, just, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, we're in a decade and we're in an era in which, like, you know, things that are familiar are the ones that sell. Yeah, so. and also, but on top of that as well, like, if someone did independently create something, I guarantee you, whoever they go to, they'd want to put their fingers in it. You know, like, uh, yeah. yeah. So. Anyway, so yeah, if you are interested in picking up this game, um, you have to wishlist it on Steam, and the price point is going to be at $24.99. It'll be coming in at around late 2023 for PC and consoles. It doesn't say which consoles, but uh, that's all the information that we know of for now. Yeah, and uh, consider it on your wishlist along with Peppa, my friend Peppa Pig, uh, Game of the Year Edition. So. <laughs> <laughs> I will oh, never get over that. I never get over that either. Good grief. That's a that's a hell of a joke. Anyway, um, moving away from Toxic Crusaders, um, 15 years ago today, Horton Hears a Who debuted on theaters. Uh, we talked about it in uh, Dream Machine, and also we talked about it, you know, on uh, you know. Aaron no, we did not talk about this on Dream Machine. We talked about this in Journey to the Blue Journey Sky. Journey to the Blue Sky. I do apologize. Why do we keep forgetting one of our podcasts? Like, you know, I do apologize, everybody. You know, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I mean, we've done over a dozen podcasts in the almost 10 years that we've known each other. So, yeah. yeah. And to be fair, we haven't done a blue sky movie in a while that's because we're trying to catch up with all the other things that we're trying to do so yes though this is the third move no this is the fourth one that we talked about during uh journey to the blue sky because we had the first ice age then we had robots and then we had the second ice age movie and then we talked about horton hears a who and so um yeah i would say going back and forth between watching both robots and the second ice age movies we found to be really disappointing it was just so refreshing to see that hey blue sky actually had some legs to stand on because we're familiar with the grinch movie and the cat in the hat and we were just like wondering man i mean they really you know weren't able to shine really brightly with doing adaptations based off of dr seuss books so this was the very first animated one and this was the only one that blue sky ever did because from that point on illumination did all the uh, animated ones and so 
uh, yeah, this was like um, this was like a, kind of like a surprise for us, especially since uh, the first time that we saw this movie together, we saw it in Valentine's Day. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, um, with Holden Hayes a Who, obviously it's based off the Dr. Seuss book. And uh, yes. I mean, I, I was kind of nervous to actually kind of first kind of like, you know, get his eyes on it because after the after the disaster of the Lorax, I mean, like, it's just kind of like, uh, oh, good grief, like, you know, we're going to have to approach this. But, uh, you know, uh, Jim Carrey does a sensational job. I think we both can agree. I think he was our favorite mm-hmm. character in all of this. So, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jim Carrey, Steve Carell, they did a really good job of playing like these really out there characters. And um, yeah, it, it's definitely like more or less kind of in the spirit of the book in which you have this giant elephant named Horton and he's trying to protect this little tiny flower that has the Who's and Whoville in it and nobody believes him and so he's trying to find a way to get them to safety but all the other animals want to destroy it so it actually brings this really interesting commentary about like you know everything that is considered to be weird or unusual needs to be destroyed and everything needs to go into the normal um, way of thinking in the way of living so yeah we really enjoyed ourselves we thought that Jim Carrey did a really good job as Horton where he was able to for the most part bring in a lot of the humor and the heart of the character which is really consistent with Horton if you've read the books and yeah I think that um, it was definitely one of the better Blue Sky movies that we've seen up until this point yeah. Also, uh, um, something else to know about this. Well, I don't think I actually point this out. Like uh, this um, w- movie got nominated for like eighteen different types of awards and actually won one of them as well. So yeah, um, yeah. So like uh, there was the Academy of Sci- Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films USA. There was the Annie Awards that it was nominated for. It won the AS uh, the ASCAP uh, Film and Television Music Awards. It also was uh, done for the Golden Schmoes, uh, the Golden Trailer Awards, the Houston Film Critics Society Awards, uh, the IFMCA, the Kids Choice Awards. Also, it was a nominee for that for uh, one of the blimps. Uh, also, the Motion Picture and Sound Editors USA Awards. Also, it was nominated for and Young Artist Awards too. Very various other ones too uh, on top of that mm-hmm. so like you know it, it did make an impact i think on the industry uh, for uh, you know the horton did and uh, i think it also gave people the, you know the idea that you know uh, the, you know dr seuss you know it definitely has something to offer in regards to you know uh, things like you know obviously there's going to be you know the lorax obviously there's going to be the cat in the hat unfortunately but you know like uh, i think you know dr seuss i think still can provide something i think uh, you know cinematically and horton here's who stands as a example of that being possible yeah, and as somebody who has seen every single Dr. Seuss um, movie adaptation, you know, uh, for those who are wondering, uh, please check out the 25 Days of Christmas podcast where I talked about the uh, Ron Howard uh, Grinch movie. And also, I we also uh, talked about the Elimination Grinch movie as well. So there's that. I would say that Horton is still the best of the Dr. Seuss adaptations. Yeah. So, um, in regards to where Jim Carrey and Steve Carell now, I mean, Jim Carrey's pretty much, re- you know, all but retired at this point, uh, from the looks yes, of it. Yes, he is. He's more, he's more or less semi-retired. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, interestingly enough, I mean, like, do you think they will bring him back for Sonic the Hedgehog three if they decide to go in that direction? If they decide, if he decides if- to come back for it. I mean, if I'm sure that uh, we talked about this in Aaron and Patricia when we did Crystal Skull on Sonic two, but I think he said that. Um, if they are doing a Sonic 3, he might make an exception, but he wasn't 100% sure at that point. So, yeah, I think that if they are going to bring him back, then that will be great. But if not, um, 
you know, we'll see where Shadow, if Shadow can be able to, you know, be the one to kind of like hold uh, the missing Dr. Robotnik uh, lead mm, who knows? <laughs> as our villain. Maybe. I mean, like, we don't know what Shadow's whole MO is going to be in all of this. I mean, like, uh, originally, like, he was an anti-hero pretty much, you know, with his own game, which uh, didn't do very well. So, mm-hmm. um, well, we'll have to see in regards to where Shadow kind of, like, goes up on this. But, uh, I mean, they're going to have to start pulling out, like, you know, Sonic villains, I think, if uh, Doctor, if uh, Jim Carrey doesn't want to come back. Or they'll have to recast Doctor Robotnik. Robotnik as well. Like, uh, that could be another thing they could potentially do. So, um, I mean, who knows? Hey, but that's true, uh, that's true. And in regards to Steve Carell, I mean, like, uh, he's uh, obviously still grew uh, for the Minions franchise, uh, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, he's he's uh, the last thing he did uh, was uh, a mini TV series called The Patient. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, which, uh, so, uh, interesting to see where, actually, he's upcoming. I believe he's got Despicable Me 4. I mean, obviously, that's been that's been uh, put, put in there. And also, he's got Imaginary Friends, which is in post-production. And Asteroid City is going to be the next thing, too. So, okay, cool. Yeah, so he's still going on. Right, okay. Well, that's Horton. Here's a who. Uh, happy 15th right, anniversary. Yeah, and if you want to hear more thoughts of it, then, yeah, like I said, uh, go check out our podcast discussion in Journey to the Blue Sky. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, we have confirmation that Rugrats reboot will be ha- we're getting a second season. Which you know, like yes. I mean, here's the thing, you know, of course it was going to get a second season because I mean it seems to be now that when unless something terribly terribly goes wrong, I mean these types of shows are just going to get second seasons regardless. It just seems to be yeah, something that just seems to happen. You're, you're not a fairly odd parents fairly odder. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but uh, I mean, yeah, was uh, how the, we're still wondering how on earth that's still won an award. But anyway, we digress. Um, um, Rugrats reboot uh, season two is going to be happening, and uh, uh, unfortunately, Dill is going to be coming back. In this yes, one. he is. He is going to be coming back, and they. And here's the thing: a lot of people who grew up with the older seasons are like, ugh. But then the people who grew up with the newer seasons are like, okay. I mean, where was he all this time? So we were hoping that you know this was going to be like a show that was going to go back to basics, but no. Of course, they had to include Dill in there. They yeah. also have Kimmy in there, like that. That was like toward the end of the first season, which again, I wasn't too surprised. Yeah, it just was you know. Like, uh, I was hoping to kind of, like, make it through, like, this rendition of Rugrats with, like, no deal to be seen. But, uh, yeah, we, apparently we're being robbed of that now. And now we're having to put up with Dill again. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like, here's the thing. Like, I've not seen enough to decide. I mean, maybe I should see what they kind of do with Dill in in this variation. I mean, like, the, I mean, from what we can gather, all they've been kind of doing is really been looking like, you know, the old Rugrats show and kind of, like, been doing episodes based off that. If anything, you know, Craig famously said on my show, like, uh, you know, uh, maybe I should be getting some, like, you know, money out of this. You know, like, you know, some of the people in the former, um, you know, Hey Arnold crew who used to be doing, who, who used to do Rock Rush should be getting some money out of this, but, you know. Here we are, but uh, I mean, like, uh, I mean, I've seen some of, like the, uh, the the second. I mean, it looks like they're going to be doing more imaginative stuff from it. Which, by the way, you know, Rugrats is good at doing that, but you know, it's just it really just is Rugrats just 3D at this point. Like, you know, I I don't think there's anything. I don't know about you, Patricia, but do you find anything unique about the Rugrats we're seeing right now compared to the Rugrats that we saw, you know, several decades ago? Okay, so we did talk about this in Aaron and Patricia when we first saw the concept art and we saw the plot synopsis. But, I mean, it's more or less the same concept as it was in the 90s, with the exception of the fact that a lot of the 
adults are voiced by different people because obviously it's a reboot and a lot of the voice actors have either since passed or have gotten too old to portray their roles and they also have new job occupations i mean with the exception of Stu, he's still an inventor but stuff like that anyway so yeah there have been some differences with the adults the kids are still the same with the exception of they decided to make Susie younger which never really made that much sense because she was created to be the anti-angelica and now that she's the she's younger than angelica it doesn't really make that much sense but she's hanging out with the babies more and kimmy is uh, they made her slightly older to be with alongside with angelica which again doesn't make all that much sense like yeah it doesn't make that much sense if they they were going to do that they should have originally you know just uh, said okay well we'll put kimmy in there and maybe later on along the line we'll bring in Susie, maybe to be the anti-angelica that's what yeah that's yeah that's what she was uh, effectively, but now they kind of like switched it all around where Kimmy now is the anti Angelica, which is like, yes, I, I don't get that to be quite honest with you. I mean, it's to be quite honest, I mean, would you rather her be the basically Tommy 2.0? Um, not well, I don't know, like it's just it's uh, I just find the whole thing just like you know, a very confusing mess. To be quite honest with you. I mean, to be fair, it is a reboot. But again, like as 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 somebody uh, who really liked My Little Pony: Friendship Is Magic and Ducktales, what they were able to do was they basically like they went all out. They didn't bring back anybody from the old show, and if they did, they either had them either as minor characters or the people who were in like the older incarnations who voiced as minor characters became major characters. But you know, they played as completely different characters, so. They they were able to do something that stood on its own. Unfortunately, it doesn't really stand on its own because it didn't take enough risks. Like the first season, and I did see the first season, by the way, the first season is, you know, it's fine. I mean, it it, it does do some things differently. Like, you know, they were able to modernize it, but there's also some segments in which it lasts for maybe like three to five minutes that are basically just like, redone uh, classic episodes like there's the slide and the trial and stuff like that great classic episodes but seeing like five minute versions of it and then just cutting it to the point with the 3d animation it's like yeah it's um it was an interesting choice that i'm glad that they decided not to do after the later part of season one and then um i would say that it started getting slightly better over time but still it's like I just find it to be something along the lines of just being unnecessary. I mean, I do love Rugrats, don't get me wrong. I love the original series. I but, love it too. But, you know, it had its run. It lasted for over a decade. It had two spin-off series. It had multiple specials. It had three movies. I think that that was more than enough. Yeah. Tell you what, um, how about we uh, switch gears a little bit and why don't we give CBR.com a chance, another chance to try and do a good top 10? <laughs> I guess before we do that, I guess the thing that I need to mention is that there's going to be other characters that are going to be brought into season two other than just Dill. So let's read off who is going to be appearing. So um, Yvette Nicole Brown, who will be playing as Miss Melly, a tour guide at Tot Springs, a recreated Old West town. Uh, Angelica's grandmother, believe it or not, yeah, this is the first new character that we've seen in a while because we've never seen her grandmother grandmother in this series who is actually charlotte's mom and she's voiced by wendy malik i get the feeling that she's just gonna be a hippie because like what they did with the girl look what they did with grandpa 
Well, that, that's grandpa, though. That's not, um, well, it says right here that she's going to be uh, glamorous yet condescending. So, oh, yeah, okay. That's really, so we're going to get the yeah, opposite so, I mean, of grandpa. Well, yeah, this is this is um, Charlotte's mother. So this is a character that we've never seen in the original series. So I'm really interested about this, especially if Wendy Malick's going to play her. I mean, Wendy Malick, you know that she plays like these really snarky characters, especially since we've seen with like Beautiful Gorgeous and Jimmy Neutron and Ida and the Owl House. So, yeah, I'm genuinely curious to see how she's going to play as this. Okay, well, that's, um, that's intriguing, at least. I mean, like, yeah, this, okay. this is what they should have done in season one, you know? Like, it's just yeah. like, here's all these new people that, you know, we can get introduced to, you know? Yeah. So. Uh, in addition to that, we also have Sarah Niles, who will be playing as Angelica's robotic nanny named Nanny Pip. And then what? Betty is going to... Yes. Robotic uh, nanny. So we're going to pull off a Rosie from the Jetsons or an Irona from Richie Rich. Oh, good grief. Well, I mean, <laughs> if, it's a, if it's one of those two characters, I mean, that's not... That's going further back than the 90s, to say the least. <laughs> oh, it's gonna yeah, be like it's, it's like gonna a, be like, uh, what's, like his, what's his name? Floor? Plankton's Plankton's computer wife. What's his what's what's her name? Uh, Karen. Karen. Yeah, it's gonna be Karen again. I, I hope not. Anyway, and uh, let's see. We have uh, the last character who's going to be brought in here is... Um, oh, yeah. Here we go. We have Betty's new girlfriend, Trish, voiced by Aaliyah Shawkat. And uh, it's described as she's maker, she's eager to make friends with everyone. Where is Howard at this point? Like, you know... I don't know. A, I mean, That's like... That's the thing. I don't, ha I don't have a clue. Yeah, I mean, like, did he, did he suffer the same fate as Chucky's mom did? Like, uh... That, that that's a good question. I really don't know. They've never even mentioned it at all. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, like, uh, I guess if Betty is a lesbian, it's impossible for her to, you know, hook up with. Uh, um, well, I'm not saying it is impossible, but it's like Howard can't potentially be in the picture if that's the case. So. I mean, maybe he is, but maybe they'll bring him later on in the series. I I don't know. Well, well, we'll see. But. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so now we can go over to CBR.com. Okay, so um, here is a list for the 10 darkest Rugrats episodes. So do you want to go through the list and uh, see what we think? Oh, boy. Yeah, this is the original uh, show, by the way, not the, uh, not the Okay, not, not the reboot, all right. Okay, then. then. So number 10 in this list is Season 2, Episode 2, Chucky versus the Party. Okay, so I know about this scene, what they're talking about. So it's the nightmare scene where, you know, Chucky is n not wanting to use the potty. He wants to still use diapers, and he has a nightmare scene where it makes it look like the potty is the electric chair. So, yeah, the fact that he's, like, in the potty, and then he gets suckered, sucked into a pipe, just, like, being flushed down can be pretty terrifying. Yeah, okay, well, I uh, hope he's not going to go see the new Mario Brothers movie. But, uh, anyway, um, n number nine in this list is uh, season three, episode eleven, the mysterious Mister Fiend. Oh, jeez. Okay, so Stu invented a toy called Mister Friend, and everybody calls him Mister Fiend. And so it's basically like this creepy clown who's like malfunctioning, and he's just walking around saying, "I want to be your friend, and let's play together." It is like if you're afraid of clowns, this thing is just terrifying. Yeah. Um, I was watching an episode of Only Plays, and uh, they came up with like this hilarious, like really dark, you know, uh, plot that uh, you know Chucky's mom died, and then Stu took her into his her into the basement and made her into Mr. Fiend. Like, Please, uh, man. Uh, yeah, so, like, <laughs> good grief. You know, like, uh, yeah, that's, 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 you know, it's, it's hilarious and uh, very, you know, terrifying all at the same time. But uh, there we go. That's only place for you. Um, okay, number eight in this list is uh, Season 1, Episode 10, Weaning Tommy. 
Okay, so there is a scene in the episode, well, for those who don't know, um, the episode is about that uh, Stu and Dee Dee think that Tommy's getting too old to drink from bottles, and so they want him to switch over to drinking from a cup. And so he has this dream sequence where you have the cup who's saying, drink me, and it's like this really creepy cup with a smile on his face, and then you have this giant bottle who rescues him, and he's all bulked up. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a genuinely creepy moment for me. I mean, it only it's just like a I mean, yeah, I'll just put it this way. The first three seasons of Rugrats had these really trippy, nightmarish scenes. So, yeah, it's not too much of a surprise that all of these are from the classic run. So, so the one thing I'll give credit Rugrats for is, like, you know, they made, like, you know, all, like, the, the stuff that was basically for the babies, like, really, really creepy and really freaking out. Like, you know, like, uh, all things that Dr. Lipschitz, had, like, you know, recommended, like, you know, were just totally wrong. Or, like, you know, some of the toys that were there that were supposed to be for the babies were like, just, like, you know, just terrifying for them. Even though exactly, just that, yeah. yeah, exactly. That just seems to be a theme that kind of like seems to be developing with that. And they made like all like all the teddy bears and everything like that, like the most innocent things, like you know, not, mm -hmm. not the you know the, the, the not the not the toys that were actually were meant for you know the babies, if you will. Right. That seems to be kind of a thing that seems to go on in in this show. Um, okay, number seven in this list is season two, episode thirteen. What the big people do. Okay, this is the episode where Tommy and Chucky wish to be adults. And so they imagine themselves as grown-ups going to work and driving and going to the grocery store and stuff like that. But then we have them going to work. Angelica is the boss. And of course she, she is. is. Just, of course she is. And she is just as mean, ruthless as you can think. I mean, there's even this scary scene in which they have to go up into her office and you have this huge hallway that is filled with just portraits and it's really menacing. And then she's there in the dark and saying, I'm the boss and I get to do whatever I want. And you guys are fired. And she sends her robots to chase after them. Exactly. And then I mean, finally, like, you, 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 think Charlotte, you think Charlotte Pickles is bad. Good grief. Imagine what Angelica is going to be like back in the future. Uh, well, I mean, if, if we've seen in an episode that may or may not be on this list, I don't think she would do a good job. Yeah, I don't think so either. Anyway, um, number six in this list is uh, season three, episode 18, In the Dream Time. Oh, geez. Okay. That's this the famous I'm Not Stu episode. episode it, I'm sorry? It's the famous I'm Not Stu episode. Oh, yes. I'm not Tommy okay. episode. So, yeah. So, basically, you have Chucky who's just going through all of these nightmares. And he does not know what is real. And he does not know what is fake. So, he it, it is basically the I'm not Tommy or I'm not Stu episode. In which, like, you have these bulging eyes and this big nose and this creepy clown voice. So, basically, Chucky is trying to keep himself awake because he does not know what is a dream and what is reality. And then... He he decides that he's going to do something dangerous because he still thinks he's dreaming. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, by the way, this is the time that, uh, you know, Spike was uh, not voiced by Bruce Willis. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, oh number five in this list is season three, episode 21, Angelica's Worst Nightmare. It's the one where, oh, uh, you know, where... Uh, she, you know, I know. It's the, the, the giant pregnant. talking baby. The giant talking baby who basically sounds like a mobster. 
Yes. Yeah. So basically, it's the episode in which when Drew and Charlotte, um, they think that they're going to have a baby. And so they're really excited. And Angelica's really scared because she's always been an only child and she doesn't know um, how to feel when she learns that the baby's going to be the one to take over everything and she's not going to get as much attention. And so then she has a nightmare where there's a baby who basically takes over everything and he sounds like a mobster and he's giant and he eats her and stuff. It's. Yeah, this that is totally freaky. Yeah, you know what? I, well, this was one of the very first times I actually felt very sorry for Charlotte. Uh, you know, in, in at the very end of the episode, because like it was sort of implied that she had a miscarriage. You know, yeah, like it, I mean, yeah. it it's yeah, it's pretty sad. I mean, because you know, it turns out that maybe it was either a miscarriage or it was a false pregnancy test. Yeah, like you know, that, that's one of the very few times I actually feel bad for Charlotte. It really is. Like yeah, that, especially yeah. since Charlotte didn't really get a lot of character development in, in like the entire Rugrats series, other than she's always on her phone and talking to Jonathan and always at work and being the boss of everything. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. She, she really only had like one episode and like, you know, really kind of saw what dedicated to her. That was when she had to take, you know, Angelica and Tommy to her workplace because like, you know, they couldn't like, you know, uh, figure out how to, you know, they couldn't, either one of them couldn't look after the, you know, the, uh, the kids at that time. So exactly, could, yeah, yeah, because uh, Stu and Dee Dee had already dropped Tommy off because they were busy. Uh, Betty and Howard were already on vacation. Uh, Chaz was at a convention to try to find a therapist, so none of nobody was available, and so she had to be the one to take Tommy and Angelica to work because Stu was, uh, um, Stu and Dee Dee were out uh, out of town, and Drew he had a meeting with his uh, with his job, and so yeah, and it just goes to show you that um, the very few times that Charlotte is in the focus um she's just always busy with work yeah exactly and, and, uh, good, good. And, and you, you, feel, you feel you feel bad for jonathan as well like how many times has he been fired oh, by charlotte yeah <laughs> yeah exactly i mean jonathan is more or less the butt monkey of the series um but charlotte in the reboot is slightly different because she is not a ceo of a company she's a councilwoman and so yeah her role is slightly different i mean she's actually a little bit more attentive to angelica than she ever was in the original but still she's you know very busy and she's always you know basically just focusing on her job but yeah it's kind of interesting about how um you know the the character developments uh, differ over time yeah well at least the, at least the one thing i'll say about charlotte and then you want at least since she's not got like the creepy botox injections like she had no culture all grown up oh god oh, oh, i mean uh, don't don't jinx it because if there ever is a 3d version of all grown up i don't want to see are that. you kidding me it will never get that far surely Number three in this list is um, season four, episode twelve, the mattress. Okay, so this, oh wow, so we actually have a, a, a you know an episode from the revival era. Okay, so this is the episode in which when Grandpa Lou's mattress has pretty much just fallen apart, and uh, the kids think that the mattress is coming to life, and so they want to be able to get rid of it because um, you know it's been you know causing uh, Grandpa Lou a lot of pain, and they think that there's a monster in his bed. So yeah, there's even a scene in which like the mattress is actually like walking down the 
stairs, but in reality, that's Stu just bringing it down. But the kids actually think that there's a monster in in you know in Grandpa Lou's bed. So yeah, it's it kind of interesting to see that on the list. I yeah, thought it would I, be a little I, bit lower. I, I like the callback in this episode because you remember what they did. Like they said, oh, what are we going to do to uh, get rid of this monster? And they and Tommy says, feed it to a bigger monster. And his callback to Hubert, the uh, the, yes, the garbage. Yes, that is. Yeah, it's one of the very few callbacks <laughs> from the original series. Yes. Yeah, and so we're like, uh, oh, that was that. That was actually pretty cool. Cool to do that, actually. I don't know why. I got, cool. I got pretty excited about that for some strange reason. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's Hubert, the, yeah, the, 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 the garbage, garbage truck. truck. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's because, like, you know, garbage trucks have, like, you know, thrown away so many, like, things. Like, keep in mind, like, it was, you know, in the in the, in the TMNT original movie, like, you know, Shredder was defeated by a garbage truck. So, <laughs> I don't know. Garbage Fair truck just seems to solve everything at that time. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, number two in this list is season three, episode 17, uh, Chucky's Wonderful Life. Oh, jeez. This episode is beyond creepy. And to be fair, there's a lot of creepy pastas on this, and a lot of it is not true. Like, first of all, this is the episode where Chucky um, makes a mistake of taking his dad's favorite CD, thinking that it's a toy. And it turns out that um, Angelica decides to hide it, thinking that Chucky was the one who lost it. And so she tells Chucky the world will be better off without you. And so Chucky has this nightmare where he runs away from home. He's visited by his guardian angel, again, akin to like, it's a wonderful life where you have Clarence uh, telling George about what the world will be like without him. And so basically his guardian angel shows Chucky about like, you know, what his world would be like without him. So his dad, you know, is talking with a sock puppet. Phil and Lil are basically rambunctious, and Tommy's living outside with Angelica taking over, stewing Dee Dee's house. So, yeah, it is just, like, wow. Like, Chucky's nightmares, I mean, we knew that it was pretty dark in the last um, list that we talked about with the, in Dreamland, but seriously, like, this is, like, up and beyond really dark. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the only, uh, you know, Chucky imagination I think I've ever liked from him was probably when he became Chucky-chan in the... Uh, oh, the yeah, Rogers, in the, the Rugrats in Paris, yes. I think that's the only imaginative thing I liked coming out of Chucky's mind. Uh, I think at this point, I'm up for being, I'm up for being wrong, but uh, okay. I mean, you're you're not wrong to be quite honest, because it's either pretty nightmarish or he doesn't really have an idea. I mean, like remember Circus Angelicus, where um, Chucky couldn't even think about an ac um, acrobat or a trick that he can do during the circus, and so um, Angelica made him the human cannonball. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, the number one uh, creep darkest thing, apparently in the Rugrats, according to CBR.com, is season one, episode six, and that's Ruthless Tommy. Oh, boy. Okay, so Ruthless Tommy. I think that... I mean, there are some moments in which I can agree that Ruthless Tommy can be a little bit um, dark, but I would think that, um, in my opinion, Chucky's Wonderful Life is slightly darker. Um, I don't know. Well, at least, you know, Chucky's Wonderful Life wasn't real. I mean, like, uh, but... You know, that, that is true. It wasn't it was Ruthless a Tommy was, was, like, you know, it was like two guys, you know, adopting a child. Like, you know, for, uh, you know... <laughs> yeah, I guess it is like, true. I mean, and, the, and, context, you know, also the, you know, the parents two guys kidnapping Tommy, yeah. The, the parents are none the wiser as well. Like, you know, you think it's something that Child Protective Services will be involved in. The fact, like, you know, your kid's being, being kidnapped for, like, you know, 22 minutes. <laughs> you know, none of you have been realizing it, you know, this entire time. You know? Yeah, and uh, I, I guess that is true uh, in the context, but, you know, I, the guys were just, like, really stupid, and so I never really, like, took them seriously. But, yeah, I would say, like, in the context of the show, two guys kidnapping Tommy... 
and the parents know nothing of this. I mean, yeah, it is pretty terrifying. Yes. But I mean, I just found it to be funny than anything. I mean, these two guys who claimed that he kid they kidnapped Ronald Thump's son, you know, guess who the reference that is. And then, you know, they're stealing all the jewelry and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, they're, they're just like a bunch of goofballs. And, you know, they were able to be outsmarted by a baby. So, you know, I never really saw it as like, you know, something that I found to be kind of like dark. I just found it to be hilarious. But they, they, you know, they, they couldn't do that episode in the new show. Surely. Yeah, I, I guess definitely not. I mean, you, you can't have you like can't really you know, joke about child abduction. Yeah, you can't really yeah. joke about child child abduction, can you? Like you know, no. In in the era of Amber Alerts, like goodness gracious, like uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway, that's uh, that's our discussion on the Rugrats. So uh, yeah, yeah. So. And finally, um, a film critic who loved the Tetris movie has never heard of Tetris. Um, Well, I mean, I'm sure that there are some people who've never heard of it, but I mean, first of all, Tetris is a massive juggernaut. And I'm sure that, you know, maybe there been like at least one person who's never legitimately heard of it, but seriously, it's like Tetris has been around for almost 40 years and has been re-released in so many consoles. It's on mobile devices. I mean, it is pretty universal as like one of the greatest puzzle games of all time. You, you know, one, actually one of my favorite Tetris memories is that, do you remember Unreal Tournament? And, uh, you know, you could download, yes. like, all sorts of mods for it and everything like that. So, like, you know, when I was waiting for games to start, so, like, you know, before the multiplayer game started, um, one of the uh, really cool add-ons that someone created was a Tetris game while you waited for the game to start. And uh, so I used to play, I used to be sat there playing Tetris, you know, before, you know, uh, uh, I started playing the like, a game of Unreal Tournament. It was actually really good for my mind at the time. Like, you know... That's pretty I, cool. I felt like my game got better when I was playing, t- I was playing Tetris before I played this first-person shooter game for some strange reason. So um, yeah, but uh, that was that was one of my favorite Tetris memories. I mean, obviously I've got Tetris the, the original Tetris on uh, you know an NES. Uh, so uh, on my you know console that's you know nearly older than me. But uh, you know it's just it's. Uh, um, I just think like, it's you know uh, in regards to Tetris, like I'm just really surprised that you know someone who was reviewing the movie had never seen it before. But mind you, I think one thing that you know a rule that you and I have always done uh, ever since we started reviewing you know movies together is that that we said you know you don't you shouldn't have to like rely on like the original material but you know to in order in order to enjoy the movie. But you know this was as far as I'm aware like was a movie about like you know the thing itself. So I'm quite surprised that the guy who reviewed it decided not to you. Know, really indulge it in himself. Well, that's yeah, and, and to be fair, it's not. I mean, as we mentioned last time on Aaron and Patricia, that the Tetris movie is not about like Tetris pieces or anything like that. No, it's based off of the true story of when Hank Rogers decided to go over to Russia and discover Tetris over at the Soviet Union and decided to help Alexander Pejanov, you know, to bring Tetris nationwide. So it's basically a true story based off of, you know, basically, you know, bringing Tetris over into more countries than just the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe if you do not know about the true story of Tetris, then I can completely understand that. But as for, like, the game itself, I mean, of course, um, you know, maybe there are some people who maybe are not familiar with the game. But but I'm sure for a lot of, like, people, it's like, I would say if you were to, like, 
ask any Joe Schmo about like name a video game, they'll probably say Pac-Man. They'll probably say Super Mario Brothers, and I'm sure that at least one of them would say Tetris. Yeah, I mean, anyway, let's. I mean, so um, according to this, um, so uh, in a new review up, up, uh, upload now on Deadline, uh, film critic Hammond starts off by admitting that not only has he never played Tetris, but he didn't know it existed before reviewing the movie. Uh, quote unquote. Full disclosure: Sue me, but I'm not only have I ever played the iconic 80s video game Tetris, but I've never heard of it before encountering this new film Tetris, explained Hammond. I realized that it probably makes me a bit of an oddity to the gaming generation, uh, to which uh, I believe the editor over at uh, one of the people who wrote uh, for Kotaku, uh, that's uh, Zach Suen, he basically said, uh, Sir, no offense, but if you may, if it makes you an oddity to think that 99% of adults who have uh, access to the World Wide Web are a phone, like, well, I mean, like, you know, I have access to the internet, and there's certain things that I've never heard about. You know, like yeah, you know, sure. I've talked about it on this show, so like you know, it doesn't. Really, I mean, I mean, it just it doesn't make him an oddity. He's kind of makes him like you know a guy who's never played Tetris before. You know, yeah, like, and uh, Pete Hammond, who was the one who actually saw the movie. I mean, he seemed to be like a pretty busy guy. I mean, he it says right here that he is the host of the case. CET cinema series and the weekly KCT uh, television series must be must see movies. He's uh, produced Entertainment Tonight, Extra Access Hollywood, the Arsenio Hall Show, the Martin Short Show, and AMC Networks is the recipient of five Emmy nominations for writing and is the second journalist to ever receive the Publicist Guild of America's Press Award twice in 1996 and 2013. And he is currently, for the past 11 years, Deadline's award-winning columnist. Uh, what is seemingly now the year for Oscar and Emmy seasons, and he is Deadline's chief film critic. So I'm sure that he knows a lot about films, but video, video games, games yeah. I'm sure he doesn't review them, so like, how does he know about them, pretty much? Yeah. Again, huh. you know, I'm sure that there's still a lot of people who don't know about Tetris, and that's perfectly fine. I mean, there's probably still a lot of things that, um, you know, some people don't know about. Like, let's just say, you know, maybe Pac-Man. Maybe there's some people who've never even heard of Pac-Man or Donkey Kong or maybe even a movie. Maybe some people have never seen Casablanca or they've never seen, um, you know, various other, you know, greatest of all time movies. And that's that's perfectly okay. I mean, especially since this is a guy who spent his entire career on reviewing movies and writing for TV shows. So, yeah, video games is not in his forte. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, tell you what, actually, I'll, I'm going to go one step further and actually side with uh, Mr. Hammond here. And so, this is Business Insider's uh, 20 best video games of all time, according to critics. And I guarantee you, I've probably not played all of them. So, like, okay, you know I mean? then. So, right off the bat, the number 20 is Uncharted 2 Among Thieves. I've never played that. I have. Yeah, and what's it like? Oh, it's really good. Uh, you play it's the sequel to the Uncharted series. You play as Nathan Drake, and you get to go around in numerous uh, locations. And yeah, it's a, it basically it's like um, an action adventure with puzzles, and you get to uh, explore a whole bunch of different countries, and you get to try to find um, you know various things. And I think yeah, it's it's probably one of my favorites of the Sony PlayStation Three games. And out of the the games on the Uncharted series it's a tie between two and four is my favorite okay then cool number 19 is goldeneye 007 i have played it so i've never played it I, okay then so well, there you go like you know where there's uh, there's one game that you and i have never played that i've never played uncharted and you never played goldeneye so here we go okay then uh number 18 is bioshock i've never played it 
I have. Okay, well, there's another one. And uh, Yeah, um, Bioshock is really great. It's a first-person shooter game that came out in 2007. You get to play as a guy named Jack, and you go over to the City of Rapture underground uh, into the, uh, the, well, not underground, under the sea. And there's a lot of really interesting, um, you know, discussions about, like, how to rule and how to, you know, colonize various people and, you know, the disasters of trying to basically become your own government. And there's a really interesting plot twist that I dare not spoil uh, for those who've actually played the game. And also there's a lot of, like, really interesting creatures like the big daddies and the little sisters. And there's also uh, multiple endings where you get to choose about um, how you want to be able to play the game and who you rescue and who you kill. So, yeah, really awesome awesome game yeah number 17 is half-life 2 i've played it i've never played it oh really wow you never played half-life 2 nope never wow. did like you know well we need to get you the orange box seriously like, <laughs> you know, I, mean? I, I i would love to i would love to get the orange box yeah okay well maybe even though like you know um, i've got i've got half-life 2 and on steam so like you know you can both come over here you can play over here maybe so sure okay. why not okay. i have to play the first half-life maybe i'll play black mesa and then i'll play half-life 2 yeah number 16 in this list is nfl 2k1 i've never played an american football game i've never even played a madden game so like uh, <laughs> i've never played this one either so sorry yeah there we go there's another one that we haven't played number 15 is halo combat evolved i i love this game i've played it and uh, yeah. i've only played halo in multiplayer i've never played this story oh the story is brilliant like you know you're master chief you know you're on the pillar of awards and trying to escape the uh, the covenant and uh, after the events of reach you uh, crash land on this uh, halo ring and uh, you go on and explore you know how we can use it against the covenant only to find i won't spoil it but you know like uh, it's just it's uh, you know they, you then discover like you know this other alien species that's on there and uh, you know it's just it's about you know all the, the all the weapons that you use like all the combat uh, you know that's involved in it too like it really revolutionized first-person shooters it really did yeah 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 number 14 in this list is super mario odyssey i've played it still playing it as well I've actually it. i've played it too and i'm almost really close to beating it oh really well you're farther far further than i am so like uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah i i was able to eventually collect about 500 of the moons and i'm almost at the last level it's You've just collected really, 500 really moons Good grief! I don't, I don't yeah. think I don't think I'm even there yet. You know, in, in like three <laughs> digits. I'm pretty determined. I'll, I'll just let you know that. You're amazing. Yeah. You're amazing. So. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, why. That's no, why I'm marrying her, everybody. Really, really that's good. why I'm. That's why I'm marrying her. <laughs> She's gonna complete all my games. I can't. I can't manage to complete. <laughs> <laughs> but no no i mean the, the game is great i'm i've been really enjoying it i love all the different worlds and i've also loved the different abilities i love the fact that you can control the bad guys and you get you get to play as them uh the the, the hat abilities are great and i i just love the uh the brutals they're they're really good the music's great i, I just love this game I, I i'm still trying to debate on if it's like my favorite mario game because i've enjoyed it that much yeah number 13 in this list is grand theft also three i started playing it but never went any further than the first than the first level i've never really finished the story because i was just having too much fun just going, going all around and exactly, just yeah. driving and stuff like that so, yeah i mean i did the same thing with like andreas i did the same thing with vice city even grand theft auto 5 i've never even completed the whole story because i was just having fun just goofing around and doing side quests so i'll probably have to say the same thing yeah Number 12 is Metro Prime. I've pl oh, I'm in the process of playing it, and actually, funny enough, I'm actually in the same place that I gave up originally playing Metro Prime back on the GameCube. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have played it, and I've beaten the original GameCube version. I'm playing the remastered version, and I am about 75... 
percent complete. So I'm almost done. How does it compare? Um, well, graphics are really good. Like, man, it just, it, it feels like a major polish from what it was in the original. It's kind of like those, um, you, you ever seen that meme about like, you know, what it really looked like compared to like what it looked like in your mind? Yeah. It's like, it, this is what it looked like in my mind 20 years ago. And then just like looking at the original when we were playing it, it's like, wow, you know, I can see that some parts of it have slightly aged, but now that you see like the newer textures and stuff like that, it looks really, really good. Is there any? I mean, is there any bits where it's like you remember in Cal Conquer's Bad Fur Day where like you hit a, like a character with a with a frying pan and like you're supposed to fall off, but then in, like in the remake they basically made a joke about like he he doesn't and then something else happens to him. So I'm I've like, never yeah. played Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Oh okay, well there's another great game that you never played. <laughs> well I have. <laughs> okay, I just want I just want to let you guys know most N64 games I've, I've never, never played, played because yeah. I've never owned one. Well here's another one for you, babe. Um, number eleven is Perfect Dark, and I've played never it. Never played and it. You've never played it. It's, a bit, it's uh, funny enough. It's on it. Well, you never owned an Xbox either, so like it's on Xbox. Nope. Xbox One and Xbox 360 Arcade. So, um, yeah, that's another one. Um, anyway, yeah, I just know that the people of Rare made it, and it was kind of like their own um, version of new take on GoldenEye. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, one thing I'll say about it is that, you know, even though it has the, if you have the expansion pack, it takes full advantage of it. I think it takes too much advantage of it, because there's times when the frame rate just absolutely drops. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I remember watching a video from uh, Stop Skeletons from Fighting where he talked about that you need the expansion pack to play it. Otherwise, if you don't, it's, it's virtually unplayable. Even then, like, you're probably better playing it on emulator anyway because, like, just the, the amount of memory it needs. Good grief. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, so, number 10 on this list is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. I mean, I played the original Tony Hawk Pro Skater, but not the th not any of the other sequels. I have played almost every Tony Hawk game up until American Wasteland, because after this, like, Tony Hawk Ride with the peripheral, oof. I remember yeah, I actually, there was, um like, 10 years ago, I was in this, like, um, like a bar slash pub and they actually had this really big widescreen TV with Tony Hawk ride and I saw a whole bunch of kids trying to play it it was oof like really bad like they couldn't jump or grind to save their life and that was like the one of the last times that I've actually played like a new Tony Hawk game on my own volition I think I remember seeing a demo of like Tony Hawk HD collection but even then it wasn't that good and I've never played Tony Hawk Pro Skater 5. I will not touch that game at all. Yeah, but Tony Hawk you. Pro Skater 3. Yeah, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 is a really good game. Um, I really enjoyed that one as well. I mean, I'm still trying to de decide about, like, which one was, like, the best Tony Hawk game because they were all pretty good. I mean, up until American Wasteland, of course. Yeah. I mean, all I could really do on the Tony Hawk was plant plants, really. Like, you know, that's where I just get all the, all the, all the points for. And uh, when I tried to like, do, like, any of the other ones, it kind of just fell flat on my face. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's it. it there's a bit of a uh, you know simple to do, easy uh, you know hard to master kind of thing where you know you uh, there's a lot of people who can do manuals, hand plants, grinds, flips, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean it's it, it's pretty hard to like really get up to the high score, but I'm sure that for a lot of people. You know, they've, they've done a lot of practice for it, and I'm sure that there's a lot of debate about, like, which one had the best levels, which one had the best music, and, you know, all the different characters uh, that are basically based off of the actual skaters, so... Yeah, yeah, I don't know I what mean, stunts it was, but like uh, there was this one stunt that we all keep trying to do, and like he were like he were like you know they were gaining some momentum, they go flying into the air, and then like you know they would put like the board like you know stick a leg in the air, and they just go like on a go like on a spin, and no one could land it. So every time like he landed, like <laughs> you know the the landing would be so brutal, it'd be like I don't know if you've not broken a leg. 
You know, like exactly. he said, oh, good yeah. grief. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, number nine in this list is Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I've played it. It's a brilliant game, and I'm looking forward to Tears of the Kingdom. I've never played it. In fact, I've never beaten a Zelda game in my life. I'll tell you what, when you come into the UK, I'll give you the, I'll give you the game for it. So, okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> sure. Okay. Number eight in this list is Grand Theft Auto V. Um, again, I'm yeah, not, I'm Grand Theft Auto V is really, really good. I, I, and also the fact that you get to play as like three different characters. They all have their own different storylines. And like I said, I mean, I haven't finished the the storyline because I've just had so much fun with the side quest and just like messing around. So, uh, well, after GTA Three, yeah. I never played another Grand Theft Auto game. Like, I, I just kind of moved away from the franchise. Really, like, uh, I don't know why. Like, I, I liked GTA and I liked GTA London, but for some reason, when it went 3D, I just didn't get into it. I don't know why. That's 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 fair. I I can understand that. Um, yeah, you don't have to worry about like not playing a GTA game to kind of like follow the storyline because every single one is different. Like some take place in Vice City, some take place in Liberty City, uh, some take place, you know, like in Chinatown, and you know, every, you know, there's a lot of like GTA games that take place in multiple places. So, yeah, you don't have to worry about like oh I need to play this game in order for me to understand the story of this game. You don't have to do that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, number seven in this list is Red Dead Redemption Two. I've never played it. I've never played it either, but I've heard some really good things about I have it. Heard it's some basically good things, yeah. it's basically Grand Theft Auto, except it's a Western game. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six in this list is Super Mario Galaxy Two. Um, I played Super Mario Galaxy, but I never played two. So I, I don't I've know played like. two, but I never I never finished it. Okay then. Um, number five in this list is Super Mario Galaxy. I have played it and I have enjoyed it. So <laughs> I played it and I've completed it and I loved it. Yeah. Number four in this list is Soul Calibur. Um, I played the Soul Calibur game on the GameCube, which you know the one that has Link in it, but uh, I yes. never I never played the other Soul Calibur. I've played that one. I've played Soul Calibur three, and I've played Soul Calibur four when they brought in the Star Wars characters. Okay. Number three in this list is Grand Theft Auto five. Uh, yeah, we've uh, wait wait again. Uh, oh, actually, no, actually, oh no, it's Grand Theft Auto four, I think. Um, oh four! Yeah. Oh really? Okay, so they ranked four higher than five. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, like it does have Nico in it, I guess. You know, yellow. Car. I guess that is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember a lot of people were kind of like not impressed with four. I, I guess you know when you know the, the groundbreaking uh, masterpiece that was three, and then San Andreas, and then when you know five came out. I guess four was kind of like the one that was kind of like the the black sheep of the series. So I'm glad that um, people are starting to appreciate what four was able to do. Yeah, uh, number two in this list is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Two. Okay, yeah, I really love this one because it was a massive improvement over the original. The original is a fun one, but it's kind of hard to go back into, especially since they were able to tighten up the controls and give you more abilities and more moves to do in the second one. They had new characters in there, and uh, you, you actually get to play as Spider-Man if you unlock him, which is actually pretty cool. So, yeah, I, I really did enjoy it, too. Yeah, and the number one uh, best video game of all time, according to uh, businessinsider.com, is Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. I've never played this one. Yeah, I've, I've played it, and I loved it. Like, it is my favorite Zelda game before Breath of the Wild, well, after Breath of the Wild, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, yeah, I mean, like, there's a thing, like, uh, I'm surprised Breath of the Wild isn't further up this list. Breath of the Wild was a brilliant Zelda game. Like, uh, well, I, I know that a lot of people, they tend to have their, um, you know, their favorite video game lists, and a lot of times I've seen Ocarina on Time at least on the top. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, some, people, some lists I've seen in Majora's Mask is actually at the top. Like, you know, some people actually really like enjoy Majora's Mask, you know, Ocarina at times for some strange reason. 
I do know some people who are into uh, Majora's Mask over Ocarina of Time, but Ocarina of Time seems to be like the one that everybody seems to love. Yeah. But again, I've never played it. Okay. Well, that's the end of the show. So, um, but by the way, I do apologize. We haven't got Moon Girl Devil's Dinosaur out of the way uh, this week. I promise we will. I will start watching episodes and start trying to get that out of the way. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, don't worry. We'll catch up to it next week. Okay. Yeah, so, cool. And uh, by the way, like, you know, uh, the one big thing I think everyone's going to want us to be talking about is uh, when we finally get to uh, April 8th is going to be, uh, you know, um, uh, the Owl House, uh, you know, uh, final episode. So, yeah, 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 and w which we will eventually get to once we have uh, April coming about. So yeah, we're really excited. Uh, we're going to try to see if we can get as much people on casual chats as we can. We're going to see if we can just ended on a really high note. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I mean, you and I will obviously have our like initial opinions on uh, the the episode, but then I think uh, eventually uh, what we're planning to do is that we're going to have like a, you know, a season 3 overall discussion which uh, you know, we want to get people involved in. So, uh Absolutely. Definitely. But until then everybody, um my name is Aaron. My name is Patricia. Have a great week and we will see you next week. Take care and bye-bye for now. See you later.